Yes Have Some podcast is brought to you by Carnivorous Creations, your one-stop shop for all of your proton pack building needs. If you're in the market for a proton pack, head to carnivoruscreations.com. That's carnivorous with a K. You're going to find aluminum motherboards, resin parts, fiberglass shells, and a whole lot more. Find them on Facebook at Carnivorous Creations or head straight to carnivoruscreations.com. Remember carnivorous with a K and get started on an authentic screen accurate proton pack. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. We got one! It's time for another episode of Yes, Have Some Podcast. Look at him in really bad shape. Come on, please. Please. Your weekly pop culture therapy session. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need. Subscribe on iTunes by searching for Yes Have Some in the iTunes store or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yeshavesomecast. Sick vandalism. That is a deliberate mutilation of a public service message. And now, hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed with your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. We're mutants. There's something wrong with us. Something very, very wrong with us. All right, everybody. Hello. Welcome to episode 70. 70. 70. 70. Oh, boy. Of Yes, Have Some Podcast. 70 times 7. 70 times 7. My name is Craig Goldberg. Thank you so much for joining us on our It Roundtable review. We've been Mm -hmm. looking forward to this movie so much, but nobody has looked forward to this movie more than my co-hosts, Abigail Gardner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Jacob Walsh, longer than I have. Yes. Yeah. You. Recognize it. You got me into it. You got me into Stephen King, and you talked about it like on one of our early episodes. I'm yeah. pretty sure, like fourth or fifth in. So, how yeah. are you guys tonight? How are you feeling? You had this build up. You've seen the movie. We've all seen it twice, correct? I feel satisfied. Yes. You feel satisfied? Yes. I feel relieved. You feel yes. relieved? I feel like uh, <laughs> very relaxed. We're we're gonna talk about it in a ton of detail here coming up. Um, but yeah, thanks everybody. For I'm ready joining. to go again. You ready to go for to the, the movies three? again? Yeah, it's like the It trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Third except time. for the same movie three times <laughs> in a row. Uh, I feel like the Matrix trilogy is better. Like you know how Star Wars has Machete Order, where you watch it like you mm-hmm. start with uh, a new dice Hope, it up, and then you go to you know Attack of the Clones. You watch it in a specific order. There's actually one of those for the Matrix. The it's called the actual Matrix trilogy. What you do is you just watch the first one three times over and over and over and over. And it's it's a much better experience. It's good every time. I can believe I can believe that. Um, And uh, you can call the second one Matrix Reloaded, but what the only thing you're reloading is your DVD player with the same movie quickly. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So cool. We're gonna talk about it. Uh, Stephen King's it came out, tore up the box office, 123 million dollars. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they were tracking. So, the way it works is through all sorts of like statistics and data. Like, they they can kind of track what they think movies are probably going to make on opening weekend. Uh, it's based on like social media stats and presale and buzz and all sorts of stuff. And they kind of have it down to a science. They're usually pretty close, right? They're usually kind of dead on. Um, it was the early tracking was a moderate estimate of fifty million dollars, which would have at fifty million been a, a huge success, especially for a horror movie in September. What was the budget? The budget was thirty five, right? Thirty five million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Fifty million was early tracking. Word started getting out like, hey, you know, people are kind of excited about this. The reviews are good. Early mm-hmm. word is good. We could be looking at sixty million, and then that turned into like 
wait, could this hit 70 million? Well, it did like what the Thursday night it did. Like, I, I believe it was 17 just on Thursday night. Yeah. I'll put it this way. It, it made 123 million. Mm-hmm. That's Marvel numbers. Yeah. That yeah, is that's a lot. It beat, it beat Spider-Man. It be, in fact, and I talked about this that's with my brother insane. and Abigail yesterday. I was expecting a post credit scene with Nick Fury. <laughs> where, where he gets the team back together. Where yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like he's he's going to the losers. It's yeah. Mike Hanlon, but Yes. Oh yeah. my god, that's amazing. He's, he's making like, the calls, he's waking everybody y'all up. I think you killed a clown and you think you're something special. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we got work to do. Uh-huh. Then the Avengers yeah. music. Totally. Dude, I feel like I'm sorry, spoiler alert, but doesn't Pennywise do kind of a superhero landing at one point in the he third does. act? Doesn't he like crunch he, down he and it's a, he puts like the he palm does. out? He does, and I think we should go ahead and say like spoiler alert. We're gonna spoil this movie. Yeah, yeah spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler we're about alert. to spoil everything. All right, spoiler alert. It. Yes. It. <laughs> I can't get I can't get uh, over thinking about Samuel Jackson yeah. as <laughs> Nick Fury slash Mike Hanlon. Yeah. It's oh, getting man. the losers no, back this together. Is what, this is what you find out. <laughs> Nick, uh, Mike Hanlon's, his parents didn't die in the fire. Nick Fury was his dad and he survived. Whoa. <laughs> that is a great fan theory. Can you imagine? Because I liked his parents in the book. So this is I, getting weird. Yeah, this is good. Can you imagine Tony Stark showing up and like fitting the losers club with like high tech weaponry? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just think about that. And uh, also, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, yeah. but the kid he played ridiculous. Bill. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm getting a Tobey Maguire vibe. You thinking? 100. Yeah. 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 He, he does look His like voice a cracks a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um. So mm. if they decide to reboot Jaden, l- I can't. I'm not gonna Lieber, watch it. Le- Liedenhoser. Yeah, Lieberhoser. We're not gonna get any other names. We're not gonna right. screw anything up. We're gonna um, be respectful. But no. So we're gonna. <laughs> Uh, we're, this is what today's going to be. We're going to review it. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about everything we love. We're going to break it down. We're going to nitpick. We're going to talk about fan theories, fan mm-hmm. fiction, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. it, you know, fits into the Marvel. The many universe. forms. Yeah. It fits in, yeah. There was, I don't know if anybody saw the Easter egg, but there was like the Thor cameo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Rocket let me, Raccoon let me... showed up. Mm-hmm. You guys are afraid <laughs> of a freaking clown. Uh... I, I was in my theater, so I don't know if, if you what trailers you guys got, but I had the Justice League trailer okay. in front of mine, mm-hmm. and uh, I was watching the movie for the second time last night, and the Justice League trailer happens, and you know the end of the Justice League trailer is uh, Alfred, and he's like, Bruce Wayne thought you would show up, yep. and it's obviously it's obviously Superman, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. But uh, the guy right behind me, and he wasn't trying to be funny, he's 100% serious, he goes, he's like, what, is, is it Thor? Oh my god! And I was like, what an idiot! Oh yeah, man. rookie yeah, mistake. It's Thor, <gasps> not gonna. They happen. literally put the words "all in" on the screen right after that to yeah. tell you, yes, it's Superman. Yeah. yeah, it's Superman. Thor, Thor's in this. Oh my god! <laughs> I hope he thinks it's Thor, dude. Yes, oh, me man. too. Uh, also, people who talk during the movie need to calm down. Yeah, I feel like we were all just talking yeah. about that earlier on the phone because I feel like with this movie it being like such a like a big deal for people, the two experiences I have in the theaters like they were packed. So I just kind of had to like grin and bear it. And I felt like Larry David the entire time, like just bristling by like all the people that were packed 
to see this movie, and I just kind of had to, like, roll with it. And Well, when you have so many people in a theater like that, like, every... And there's um, there's aspects of it that are very quiet, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like, very... Uh, Romantic, sweet, quiet moments, yeah. Yeah, and when you hear, like, the the reclining seat and, like, the crunch of the ice and the popcorn and these, like, it's... What are the? It's fucking annoying, yeah, right? It's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. especially when someone's like snoring. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh yeah, I had some. I had somebody <laughs> snore through basically the first, you know, two thirds of it last night, and he was sitting directly behind me. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people in the theater kept turning around, and it was it was really bad. I, I turned around and I might have I might have yelled at somebody, and I was like, "Please get this person out of here." And it was yeah. it was a whole situation. Dude, they need to respect the movie. So yeah, if you're, t- if you're tired, don't go see a movie at yeah. ten o'clock at night. I don't Sorry, understand dude. the like paying money to go to a movie and then like ruin everybody else's time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, I went and saw uh, the uh, back when they were still doing midnight premieres and Indiana Jones and the the Crystal Skull came out. Mm-hmm. Me and a, and a friend of mine went, and it was midnight. It was it was midnight. We went. He was asleep before the trailers oh. ended. And I was constantly like, dude, wake up. Because he yeah. was snoring. And I was like, wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Like, go sit in the car or something. Like, Oof. just stop. Yeah. So it's crazy because it used to only, with the preview nights, now that you can see the movies at 7 on Thursday, but it used to just be midnight. Like, mm-hmm. you would, like I saw The yeah. Dark Knight at midnight. Yeah, I remember seeing, like, all the Lord yeah. of the Rings movies before, like, cramming for finals at midnight and being super tired when I was, like, taking well, tests. Well, I think it was because they the movies technically don't come out until that right. Friday, so they couldn't show them to you until midnight. But ever since that, that yeah. whole Dark Knight thing happened... Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they've they've moved they they've moved it to earlier in the day, and I don't know if 100 percent that's why they moved it because it doesn't make any difference if the movie's a couple hours earlier. No, because but I've most always, people would be going to see the movie regardless. Yeah, so. yeah exactly, exactly. Anything, but for, uh, yeah. but I've always wondered about it. Like, why are they allowed? I always thought the reason it had to be midnight is because that's when you're allowed to show the movie. Right, so, right. Like. What changed that they were like, okay, you can show it the day before now. Well, I'm sure one of our listeners is going to immediately point mm-hmm. out the answer. That'd be great. Questions. Please, please yeah. do. Please do. I've yes. always wondered. Yeah. I've always Fact wondered, check. and I've, I've always wondered enough to wonder about it, but not enough to, like, Google to search it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Who, hey, who's got time hey, for Hey, not the greatest podcast. I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the research podcast. Yeah. Um, hey, <laughs> so before we get started, a couple uh, housekeeping notes. Okay. Um. Thank you so much for everybody uh, for checking out our Dragon Con uh, video that we put up for Yes Have Some, uh, kind of our PKE Surge 2017 highlight reel. Uh, people seem to really enjoy it. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on our Facebook page. Uh, go check it out. I enjoyed it. You watched I've watched it. it a lot, yeah. It, it's it Abby's, makes me really happy. It's like your favorite music video. Yeah, it's like Georgie's photo album. Like I just keep looking at it over and over and over. It makes me really happy, yeah. It's Can, so sad. Real quick, the kid who played Georgie is so cute. Oh, my God. That's a cute Ew. kid. But anyways, we'll get back to him. It's not so cute when it's, you know, getting eaten and stuff. Did you guys see, did you guys see the, uh, the thing that um, the Alamo Draft House made with him? Oh, yeah, dude. That was amazing. Like, that he so went cool? in a costume yeah. and, like, sat and did That's the whole so cool thing. That's so cool they do that. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yes. yeah, he did. Well, well, I wish they had showed that at our theater, so everyone would have like been quiet for the movie. Because oh yeah, that it was might like have a, helped. It was um, 
like the be quiet. Also, the the there was also yeah. a picture from the Almo Draft House with like everyone that dressed as like in clown costumes. Like mm. that looked like an elite group of people, and mm. I really wanted to be there. <laughs> I was extremely jealous. So yeah, I very it cool. Looked, it looked like Nick Fury like gathered all yes. the best clowns in you the know, world. I bet he did. <laughs> no, but that's awesome because like being in the theater, it's all about that shared experience. So like to have to be with a group of like people that you know are like minded that are just that like into it. So. Hey, if I'm that, jealous. If that kid who played Georgie was sitting in front of me, I'd be like, hey, kid, put that balloon down. It's getting in my way. <laughs> um, yeah. That's what I would say. I didn't bring my balloon into the theater, but I did bring a balloon in the car on the way for the first viewing. So, But that's yeah, I figured it'd be stressful rude. for the other cars to see a balloon in the car. <laughs> right? Just just especially if especially you're Ben And then, yeah, they would, yeah, think about if you saw that in the car and then you went and saw it and saw the scene where there's a balloon in a car. Yeah. I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's real. Um, so cool. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of Dairy Maine. We'll salt the meat we're with the salt fear. Salt the meat. <laughs> and we're going to get Mike Hamlin to deliver the meat. Okay. So that's what <laughs> yeah. we're going to do. That's good. Was he delivering meat? Yeah, was he tossing yeah. it in the... He was, he doing, was something. doing something with the meat. All right, so anyways... He was interrupted. I did want to say, uh, we've had a lot of people recently reach out and, you know, ask us about, you know, we want to support you as a podcast. Uh, are you guys going to do t-shirts? Are you going to do patches? Are you going to do pins? We want some merch. Uh, we are working on it. So we're going to have that in the next couple months. We're going to roll out some stuff. We really appreciate it. In the meantime... Uh, before we do that kind of stuff, the absolute best way uh, for our listeners to support us is to subscribe on iTunes, TS Have Some, so you can automatically get that download as soon as it's released. And uh, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Uh, I know if you listen to podcasts, you always hear this kind of stuff. Um, but in the world of podcasting, it's really one of the best ways to kind of like expand your audience. The more reviews you get, uh, the more five-stars you get, the more of a presence you have on iTunes, and it kind of gets the ball rolling from there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we really do appreciate everyone's support. We love everybody who interacts on Yes, Have Some Group Therapy on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if you could go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, uh, maybe a kind word. Would er, Earlier, Abby said, tell us why you love us. Yeah, tell us why you love us. Tell us why you love us. We love you. Uh, if you don't love us, maybe don't go to iTunes. Stay away from <laughs> iTunes. Um, yeah. No, it's good. Stay uh, in the YouTube comments. Yeah, we'll go, go to That's the YouTube comments. People on YouTube, I tell you. Dude the best uh well we can go over that another day (laughs) all right so yeah go to itunes subscribe we really appreciate it and then uh besides itunes you can find us uh we put our audio episodes on youtube so you can find it on the yes have some youtube channel obviously we always link on our facebook and twitter accounts uh facebook.com slash yes have some cast and at yhs podcast on twitter uh and then also we have a soundcloud uh feed and we also have stitcher and google play so we're out there Mm mm-hmm Yes, have some podcasts. All over the shuffleboard courts. <laughs> George's getting mad. <laughs> Georgie's <right>. getting angry. <laughs> uh, I said that at work today when they there's a change to our vacation policy in the middle of a meeting. I'm just like, George's getting angry. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good. So let's do this. Are you guys <laughs> The trying? jerk store call. I can, I can picture you doing that and like nobody getting the reference and yeah. just being like, what's wrong with Greg? Yeah. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, he's just... You know, he really likes just, vacation. Yeah, yeah. Just really likes vacation. Coco the monkey. <laughs> T-bone. <laughs> <sighs> all right. So okay. we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready to talk about Stephen King's It? Mm-hmm. Are we calling it Stephen King's It? Because it didn't say that on the on the, uh, 
on the theater, it's, or you I, watch the movie. It's just called It. It's just called I mean, The movie 2017. It. Yeah, yeah, It. We're going to talk about It. Um, okay, so... The new It. The new adaptation of Stephen King's It. I don't think we need to do a whole lot of background on, like, the development of the movie. Uh, it has been in development for five or six years, mm-hmm. went through some director changes. Carrie Fukunaga was going to do it at one point. Uh, that script was, is out there also. That script just is popped floating up. around. There was creative differences. It kind of went through, you know, the normal the normal thing well, that happens with. I I read that there was also one of the reasons he he left was budget. He he didn't like the budget was kind of. It was one of those things where the budget maybe went down and went down, mm-hmm. and he he wanted a bigger budget, so he walked. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things. So like, I'm just putting out there, you both have read the book. Yes, Jake, you've read it. Multiple yeah. times. Abby, I think you've read it multiple times. One and a half. One and a half times. I have not read the book. Um, but it's like this kind of beloved, like Stephen King fans love it, regular just like fiction fan. People love the book. And people have a really, more than I even realized, because I was not like a big fan of it, the miniseries in 1990. Mm-hmm. But like the nostalgia generation, people in that age bracket, like 28 to 40, have a very deep connection to Tim Curry. Yeah, to that clown in that sewer, that opening scene. Like, yeah. I think it scared a lot of people, and there's, like, a nostalgic connection. So right. It's very so, iconic. So, like, there are similarities between the release. We talk about Ghostbusters, obviously, a lot on the podcast. There are some similarities to that release last year, which is this is a known property that was popular, you know, over 25 years ago, and it's a remake. This isn't like a continuation. This is a retelling of the story that, you know, everyone was kind of familiar with. Um, But since the trailer came out and this whole marketing blitz all summer, the difference is the buzz has been extremely positive. Mm -hmm. So just as a recap, I wanted to ask you guys, what were your feelings going in to to this movie? I mean, we've covered like what we thought about the original trailer and all the Comic-Con coverage, but like, with everything that you had seen leading up to stepping into the theater, as Stephen King fans, as horror movie fans, as whatever, what what were you guys feeling? Uh, and I'll start with you, Abby. Um, before yeah. you walked in, like, what was your anticipation level? Well, I mean, it was... I was a little trepidatious, and I think I kind of shied away from wanting to see images and... Get bur- I didn't want to get burnt out watching the trailer, but I did, honestly, I found myself watching it during, like, long days at work or when I was down just watching, like, the extended four-and-a-half-minute trailer um, because it just, it made me happy. It cheered me up. Um, everything that had come out about this movie, trailers, the footage and, like, images of the cast hanging out, um, interviews uh, with the director, like, everything was so positive and seemed so good that I almost was worried that, it had too much hype and then it might not live up to that. So I was anxious about that. Um, and also having gone through the process of reading a Stephen King book and then watching the film, a film adaptation like I have over the last years or the last year with like, you know, uh, the shining or Carrie or whatever. Um, I know that it's really hard to make that jump from page to screen. So I was just worried about certain parts and like the way that things were going to be handled, what was going to get cut, how characters could get changed. Um, how the plot might be changed. So I don't know. I was, I was nervous and I was stressed, but I was also so charged up and I filled up my balloon and I wanted to wear my raincoat, but instead I just wore my like uh, Pennywise t-shirt with like the sleeves cut off. And I was, I was ready. And 
I uh, I went into it with an open mind. Uh, but like I said, I had kind of shied away from things and wanted to be realistic because, you know, it, it could let me down and I could get burned. And I just went through Answer the Call uh, like a year ago. So I didn't want to get too hyped and I didn't want to buy into the hype too much. But I was hyped no matter what. So, All right, Jake, what were your thoughts, man? Um, pre- you know, pretty similar to, to what Abby had going on. And I think if anything, like answer the call made me a little, uh, it made me, it kind of helped me put my guard up a little bit. And I, I was a little like scared to go in. I didn't want to come out of it and be like, Oh my God, I love that. And then like a month later be like, Oh fuck, maybe I hated it. I didn't want something like that to happen. But from the, from the first day, it was like a year ago, they, they posted the first images I was pretty, I liked almost everything. You know, I kind of had to get used to a couple things with Pennywise and I was always nervous about certain aspects. And I've mentioned it here on the show before that I couldn't a hundred percent be behind Pennywise until I saw him speak. And that's not something we got until, you know, two weeks ago, basically, you know, two or three weeks ago, whenever the, um, the clip, with him and Georgie showed up yeah. online. But before that, everything I was seeing, everything from the director, all the stuff that they were saying, finding out that so many good parts of the book were going to be in the movie. And then especially the trailer, like the trailer was good. It was such a good, tra- the teaser and then the, the full trailer, it was all really good. So going up into it, I felt pretty good about where we were at. I was nervous about a few things, but I felt pretty good going into it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'll just give my thoughts too. I was very impressed with the uh, both trailers. I obviously don't have the connection like you guys have to reading the book um, or the original miniseries. I was always kind of indifferent to it. Uh, I didn't have like that deep childhood thing mm-hmm. uh, like with Ghostbusters or something like that. But um, I was very much looking forward to this movie because there's nothing better than seeing a a fun, well-done horror movie in theaters around Halloween. Um, and then once we kind of started seeing all the interviews with the kids and you started realizing like, oh, this looks like you got to have that nostalgic Stranger Things type feeling because it takes place in the same time period, 1988, 1989, but with a big film budget. And it actually looked like, I feel like I liked, well, I don't want to, I like this, I like the cast a lot. I, lo- yeah. I fell in love with all these kids. Um, yeah. S- spoiler alert. Almost like sight unseen or like unheard because I was just following through Instagram photos and like seeing them hang out. And from what we've, what I've read in articles, like apparently they were like hanging out intentionally so that they could build their camaraderie and like have a, a real bond before they started filming. Yeah. So. And you feel it when you watch the movie. Yeah. You, you feel like these kids are like actually friends and that they have each other's backs and um, we're, we're going to get into all of that. So, um, so obviously the anticipation level was high. Um, I don't, I never know what to do. Star ratings, number ratings. I like the one to 10 scale. So let's not bury the lead anymore. After all the anticipation, all the buildup one to 10, mm-hmm. I am going to give this movie an 8.5 out of 10. I loved it. There are things that we'll get into that, you know, you can always kind of nitpick, but overall, as far as like storyline and the way, you know, the acting and the characters and the, the creepiness level and, you know, the, the overall sense 
that you get of like the coming of age tale. Like to me, it's like what do I said to you guys. It felt like the Sandlot if the Sandlot was actually really good. You mean Stand by Me? No. We're... Well, yeah, Stand by Me. Yeah, <laughs> is, the body. Which is the Sandlot. That's why I asked. I was like, uh, did Stephen King write the Sandlot? I don't think he some did. fan of Stephen King probably did. Yeah. I don't know who wrote um, the Sandlot. So I, I loved it. I thought I thought but... it lived up to the hype. Um, He's extremely influential as an author. We'll say that. And I'm not surprised that people. I'm not surprised that the the reviews were as good as they were. I'm not surprised that people love it as much as they do, but the yes, have some universe is not, they don't care about Craig's opinion of this movie. Yeah. All right. This is all about you guys. 8.5. That's respectable. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 and I've seen it twice. The first time I saw it, I gave it an eight. I'm up a half a point. Now I do want to say everybody knows the answer, the call debacle where we all came out of it, you know, with glowing reviews. And then as the shine wore off and as time wore on, uh, we took our Holtzman rose-colored <laughs> goggles off. Yeah. Um, I did not go into this movie like that. I went in, like, if this movie sucked, I'd be like, yeah, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. I would be perfectly That's where I was. Like, I wanted to be completely realistic. Because it's dangerous, and we've learned it. Wanting to love a movie is a very, if you're a movie fan, and if you're a fan of these franchises, wanting to love a movie is powerful. So that's a powerful emotion and can sometimes blind you to what you're actually seeing. So having said that, Abigail, what do you rate this movie? What do you rate it? Yeah. Wanting to love a movie can work you into a froth and make you like rank it higher. Froth. Which, yeah. Like I'm frothing. The fan in me wants to give the movie a 10. Um, my first viewing, I probably would have said 8.5 cause I was distracted by trying to compare the movie to the book. The majority of the first viewing, but the second viewing I'd up it to a nine um, I know there's flaws, but it's so faithful in so many important ways to the source material and captures like the essence of Stephen King and like the the misfit group and like the strong, powerful female lead that is Beverly Marsh and like Sophia Lillis. I think it's pronounced that- Beaverly. Beaverly. God <laughs> damn it. This movie is so funny. And it's the aesthetic, the setting, the creepiness factor and all that shit was like off the charts for me personally i didn't find one second to be actually terrifying or scary but that's probably because i have a crush on bill skarsgård and like every time he was on screen as pennywise i was like all right it's fine he can stay um (laughs) but i loved the movie and i know that i'm i don't want to say it's a 10 like because i know that there's some you know you know some some things it has its things but i think that it was a really strong film and I think that judging by the audience reaction, like all the people that we were with, however loud they were, which they were being extremely loud. One of the guys at the end of the viewing we saw last night, like stood up and was like, that was a great film. Like that was just, you know what I mean? Like it's got people cheering and clapping and like standing up and shouting and screaming and answer the call didn't have that. And it was really cool to be in a theater, a packed theater twice and like to have to chase the movie down like because of a storm, which was awesome because of the storm at the end of the book. And it was romantic and amazing. And I want to go see it alone by myself like Monday. Jake and I were talking about that earlier, actually. Like I want to have a nice, quiet, private viewing and see what I think that time. But right now I'd say nine. Jake? Um, it's it's so hard for me to give like a, a rating to a movie. And I feel like I explain this every time we try to do it. It's just <laughs> yeah. hard. It's hard, to, it's hard for me to pinpoint on a number or speech. something like that. Um, Y'all know me. Y'all know how I don't make uh, ratings. (laughs) I rate a movie. Um, I'll watch that movie for you. Um, I would give it. If I had to, I I would probably give it like a nine. And 
And I, I probably would have rated it lower after my first viewing because I did have, I do have some issues with this movie and the, they, those issues were bigger issues the first time I saw it. And then the second time I saw it, they didn't matter as much to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, you know what? I can, I think I can forgive this. I think I can forgive this. I still got some problems with it and we'll get into that. But Jake, I that's agree. what happens when you fall in love. Well, I agree. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying, Abby. Like, this is an adaptation of a book, and it's not. It's not like it's the most complicated book. It's the. It's like it's over a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's over a thousand pages. There's so much in it. There's the 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 themes and the ideas in this book get to a point where it's insane. It's, it's like, meta as it's fuck. Almost. It's it's hard to to even describe it to somebody. I had one of my coworkers today saw the movie and, you know, knows nothing about the book. And he asked me about it and he was like, Oh, I, I just want your opinion. And he was, he it started asking me questions and mm-hmm. he got to the point where he was asking me about weird little parts in the movie. So I was like trying to explain these mm-hmm. things and I'm like, Holy fuck. This is the weirdest yes. book ever. Yeah. And when you have a, and when you have a book that's that long, that's that big with that many crazy mm-hmm. just shit in it, and there's going to be a movie adaptation like you have to deal with studios. You got to deal with writers. There's the director. Everything can't make it in. It can't yeah. like there's no way everything in that book is going to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said is 100 percent correct. The things that they do get right and the stuff that is good about the movie is enough to where the the thing, the problems I had aren't that big of problems. Yeah. To me. When and it floats, first, we it, all float, too. Exactly. And like at first I was stuck on a couple things. But I'm like, you know what? I'm a little bummed about that, but maybe that's going to be different in the second part. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, like, you know what? I'm bummed about it, but but then I get to see this, which is from the book, and I can't believe they put that in. So, Well, mm-hmm. let's go. Let, I mean, we're going to be gushing about this movie because we obviously all loved it, but we're three cynical assholes. So let's start talking about the things that maybe fell short a little bit or things that we uh, thought maybe could have uh, – you know, been done differently or, um, and maybe, uh, I'll start with this. So, uh, we talk about modern horror a lot and Jake, you are very vocal about the, um, jump scare, like modern conjuring, um, type of horror. Um, PG 13, like, yeah, I will flat out say that this movie, when, when it goes for scares does use jump scare tactics. There are a few in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, like, um, Bill Skarsgård, his performance is amazing. So when I see, like, Pennywise coming out of the projector or chasing someone down the sewer and they're doing, like, the shaky cam, like, thing, like, I'm I'm loving it and I'm overjoyed by what I'm seeing and I'm having fun. But you're aware of the tactics that are being used to elicit your emotion? Yeah, because I feel like the scary part about it like what makes it scary right so it's about these the individual kids and what their fears are and like somebody made a comment like well the parents are the real scary part of this movie i'm like well you're you're misunderstood of course that's part parents of it. are always the monsters in stephen king books like, and um not always there are some good role models this, like besides the stuff with beverly and her dad which we'll get mm-hmm. into um i didn't feel like they went for like the visceral more like uh God, I don't know what I'm really trying. How, so you know when you watch Silence of the Lambs, it's more of a 
cerebral, like, suspense type of, like, you just keep thinking about how fucked up what you're seeing is and it kind of gets into your brain. I don't know what the book does, but to me, the scares in this movie were more like, build up, build up, build up. Here's Pennywise. Are you scared? And yeah. mm-hmm. you do see, like, the jump scare tactics and a less of a cerebral, like, it's, like, leaking into your brain, like... Well, Pennywise's whole, like, his tactics, like, in the childhood portion of the book, he's all, it's not that he's playful because he's terrifying, but it is childhood. So, like, it is, I feel like a little less, and I've read, I think very recently, uh, Andy Muschietti came out and said that he wants to make the second act, chapter two, a lot darker, and to delve into, like, some of the more adult themes and the more adult fears. So, maybe to some, I guess, in defense of the movie, like, some of the scares, like, feeling sillier or not, like, I don't know. Maybe well, they'll me, get they darker. For the they don't feel silly. Act. Like, well, Jake, what do you think? Because you're pretty opinionated about this stuff. Um, as, as far as the jump scare stuff, you you know I hate that shit. Oh, I know mm-hmm. you do. And I think, I think some of the jump, so the projector thing, yeah, it's a jump scare, but then there's more to it. Like, there's the jump scare, but then there's the fact that we have a, like, giant fucking Pennywise chasing kids around. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that, that So that one doesn't yeah. bother me as much because it's not just a, like, jump out at you and then cuts away. There's mm-hmm. a little more to that scene. The one in the sewer um, that you were referencing where he, he pops out from behind the balloon and then it's shaky cam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is my least favorite part of the movie. Okay. That is, that is one of the biggest gripes that I have. And not just because of that weird jump scare shit. Mm-hmm. I also think that that character is the biggest waste. Oh, Patrick. Like that yeah. Patrick is, that was the biggest waste of the movie. And we can get into that in a minute when we're talking about that part. But, mm-hmm. um, in the book, as far as the scares go, it's, I mean, it's literally, he literally just becomes what the kids fear. So it is scary, but it's like, you know, one of the big things in the book is he becomes a werewolf and it's like, it's the wolf man. That doesn't sound scary to us because we're not scared of the wolf man because there's a million fucking movies, but it's the way that stuff is described in the book is what's scary. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's, and he's, and he's trying to scare children. Of course, like what scares them isn't quite going to be the same to us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that is scary in the book, it, which is another problem I had with the movie, is that the book is very violent. Mm-hmm. And the movie is rated R, but after seeing it, it was. It seems like it's more rated R for the language and less rated R for the gore. There is a little bit. I mean, obviously, like Georgie gets his arm bitten off in the mm-hmm. very beginning, but if you notice it, like you don't see his arm get bitten off. You see it get bitten and then they cut away and his arm's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book is very descriptive. It's very gross in, in, in the ways that the kids are, that do die are killed. It's very blood. It's like, it doesn't give a fuck. And in the movie, you never once actually see Pennywise kill somebody. And that was an issue I had. The closest you come is the Georgie thing. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you cut away. You never see it. You never see a, a child die in this movie. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a stupid – that's such a weird thing to be saying I had a problem with. I had a problem that I didn't get to watch a child die. <laughs> well, that's probably but, why you didn't because like – I mean they could – like it's not super gory. And there's – so – 
A, I'm really glad this is not a PG-13 movie because just the F-bombs and, like, the delicately placed perfect timing of Richie Tozier's jokes played by Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, to me, that kid should get, like, a Best Supporting Actor nomination for the Oscars because everything that came out of his mouth was like, oh, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh (laughs) He's, like, such a little dickhead. Yeah. But, -hmm. like, it's so endearing, and he's constantly talking about his... I think he calls it his wing. Yeah. And uh, it's just so funny. So I'm glad they... But, like, a touch more violent, they could have been looking at an NC-17 because the fact is these it's are... Kids. They're kids. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. agree. And I, and I completely see that. I completely see that. But I just think that's a little bit where when we're talking about what's scary and we're like, you know, yeah, it's not scary for us to watch. If you're not scared of clowns, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, maybe that's not completely scary right. to me but i didn't go into this movie thinking like hey this movie's gonna scare me i'm gonna be yeah. terrified this movie isn't just like a horror movie no. it's a it's it's it's, it's about gonna... these children yes. coming together defeating That's, their mm-hmm. fears and it's it's more about like oh hey what can we do to make people in the theater jump and that's when a that's when a horror movie succeeds because we're not I'm not I don't want to go to the theater just to watch shit jump out and whatever. And right. yeah, it does that sometimes, but that's not the core of what this movie is about. No, this movie has a giant beating like emo heart and it's amazing. Like the all the character work was what I liked about the book and the Losers Club was by far my favorite aspect and Beverly Marsh and Richie Tozier were my favorite characters in the book and they panned out and ended up being my favorite characters in the movie. Um, when it comes to like personal gripes, I'd have to agree with Jake and say that the forms that it took, I felt like there was a bit of a waste there because I was really looking forward to whatever the update of the, uh, like the Wolfman was going to be because at one point they showed the movie marquee and you see nightmare five i think so like i thought maybe they could have used freddy or i thought that there could have been some sort of an iconic like movie uh villain or like horror icon uh that i it would have taken the form of i thought that might have been neat Um, i'm glad you brought that up they actually asked the director um andy how do you pronounce it i'm gonna start calling him no andy milanakis is what i'm gonna call him Um, they asked andy milanakis what he thought uh, no, they asked about that. So, like, in the book, like, it takes uh, the form of the Wolfman, which is, you know, at the movie theater and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And we see uh, Richie at the theater in Nightmare on Elm Street 5's on the marquee. And they asked uh, the director, like, did you consider put Freddy Krueger in the movie? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's literally something we considered. Mm-hmm. But we decided against it because it's a new line film. It, w- it would have taken away from it. It would have probably, you know... Seemed a little meta and a yeah. little ready you know, player. I think it would, would be like, I, wait, we did that too. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would have taken you out of the movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree that it would be cool and it makes sense to do that kind of thing. But in this real world where yeah. there are you know so many Freddy movies, I just think it would. I think it would just take you completely out of the film. Mm-hmm. Now Richie to, was to a, but, yeah. I was gonna say, but do, do you did you feel like it was a waste to have Richie's fear just be clowns? Because like I do. I th- that's what I thought, I thought it was, was a cop weird. out. I thought. I thought his fear being clowns was weird, but that scene, you know, that's in the trailer where he's in the clown room. Yeah. It seemed way less hokey to me seeing it in the movie with it, with it being included in the, the Neibolt street house. Agreed. I, I was okay with it. It didn't bother me. The, the, the only form that I really, that at first I really didn't like is stance. Yeah. Like the, the weird woman, mm-hmm. but I don't like the way she looks. I think it's a weird choice to just be like, oh, it's a painting that he's scared of. Yeah. But 
that scene's also done so well that it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. I was just like, I, I felt weird and I felt like it could have been better, but then I'm like, yeah, but this is also creepy. So yes. I don't think I care. Yes. And I felt like it, uh, definitely like agreed with the character that Stan is in the book because he has like massive OCD. And so to have the asymmetry of her face be the thing that's off putting and that upsets him. And also that scene when he walks in, like when he's failing, like reading his bar mitzvah, Whatever you call that, uh, Craig. He was reading from the Torah. From the Torah. So when he gets sent back to put the book away. Jewish facts. Jewish facts. He, uh, I felt that was like an awesome display of like what it feels like when you have OCD and you have to like adjust something that's off. And like the way that the sound and the light played out inside the room when he walks in before like making the picture straightened. And then when it falls on the floor, I loved all that. I thought the tension was great. And I agree. I felt like that was my least favorite form, but second viewing, I still really enjoyed it. So, and Stan wasn't yeah. always my number one guy, like in the book. Um, I always liked the using the bird book, and obviously they didn't include that in his character in this movie version. Um, but I thought that making his uh, like his one of his traits being that he was Jewish, and that kind of being the thing that separated him as a misfit or a misfit from the rest of uh, the kids in school, I thought that was a good choice, and. Um, yeah, but he definitely wasn't my favorite of the losers, and he wasn't my favorite in the book nor in the movie, but it was still totally adequate. After the second reference to Richie playing Street Fighter all summer, I was like, if his fear ends up being M. Bison, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> like Raul Julia CGI? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. As Gomez Adams for yeah. some reason? Yeah. Festa! Uh. Uh. No, I mean, are we done with gripes? I feel like I don't. I think no, no. we're still we're still griping. No, we're not done with gripes, guys. Um, I just want to float too. I just want to say all the positive stuff. Uh, well, the thing, who cares about positivity? We know <laughs> the movie's good. Now let's break it apart. Um, it already took no, 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 all no. of our money. I, I thought, um, you know, I didn't care that his fear was clowns because that's probably just a storytelling thing. Like, hey. The one thing that actually we have seven characters here. Let's like speed that's what it up. I was just gonna say. The one thing that impressed me. Anytime you have an ensemble cast like this, six, seven, eight characters. Actually, how many people are in the Losers Club? Six, seven, seven. seven. Then you've got the Henry Bowers gang. That's another three. Mm-hmm. Then you've got there's so many characters in this movie, and yeah, it's two and a half hours. And for the most part, it I really, think there were four in the Henry Bowers gang. Yeah, they. Oh yeah, yeah. They. Uh, oh yeah, they, there was the one kid who looked like he was in My Chemical Romance for some reason. <laughs> the modern Victor looking Chris, kid yeah. with the blonde yes. hair. Um, it's like Doc Hammer from Venture <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> um, but they do a good job giving everybody, you know, the proper amount of backstory. And as much as time. I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have any gripe. Um, but to me, the, what were the... But new- if we're talking about the Bowers gang and gripes, I felt like Henry Bowers, especially on my first viewing, wasn't, like, violent and out of control enough. Um, and also, and Jake, you were, not, were talking about this earlier, actually, about the way that they leave it kind of open-ended with him falling down into the drains and, like, not actually dying or surviving either way. And, like, it definitely veers off from the well, book. So Yeah, but that's um, – I, I saw uh, – I'm not sure of her name, but the director's sister who, mm-hmm. who you know, helped Produced. with production. She was a – she's a producer and she was there for the whole – you know, she's uh-huh. a sister. And she – came out and said, like someone flat out asked her Barbara about that, the whole Barbara is that uh-huh, it is? that's it um somebody asked her like flat out basically like about the Henry Bowers thing because they were like hey like I, it would have been cool to see Henry's hair go white like it does in the book and you know he looks into the deadlights and see you know drives him crazy you know yeah um and the stuff with him and Mike Hamlin and she was like oh we filmed all that 
she was like, we filmed way more Henry stuff. It's just a two hour movie and we couldn't fit it. So it got right. cut. Um, they, they have come out and said, hopefully the director's cut will, will be released at some point. There is mm-hmm. a lot of stuff they, they filmed and, you know, you just have to make sacrifices when you're editing a movie and mm-hmm. it can only be so long. Right. So. Yeah. And I like how I say he's not violent enough, but like the scene where he stabs his dad <laughs> to kill them all. It's so fucking fucked up and I so love if it. If they did film all that with the deadlights and everything, I could see why they cut it because they actually, you know, when the, when he sees the balloon on the mailbox and mm-hmm. he gets his knife. And then he walks in and he sees Pennywise on the screen. He's saying, kill them all, kill them all. Like, in that minute and a half, you can kind of buy into, like, oh, he's kind of possessed now. Like, Pennywise is taking control Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Um, And that's just one of those storytelling things. Like, when you take a 1,300-page book and you have to put it in a two and a half – I mean, that's why – They do that so well at so many points, though. For instance, when they're at the Corey scene and Bev is looking at Bill and Ben is looking at Bev, like without words, without dialogue, without a bunch of scenes or a montage, you understand that there is a love triangle being established and that's like a core point. That was one thing I thought they did really well with that I was worried about was that whole triangle thing. I was was pretty happy with the way that came out. Do you like how I tricked you guys into talking about the positive things? I know. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you. Fuck you. Let's talk about something I hate. I'm mad that Leslie Jones didn't walk in. She's like, I know y'all are smart about this clown stuff. Oh, man. But (laughs) but I know the facts. (laughs) She didn't come in and yell at somebody? Yeah. Oh, Um, man. No, it is good. And so, well, um, let's talk about the losers. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the heart of the movie. Yeah. Right? Beverly Marsh. The race stance (laughs) of the the losers club. Uh, awesome, awesome casting, like hands down, like even if you have no frame of reference to the book or anything, like the second you start meeting these kids, like you cannot help but like love them. Like the introduction of Ben is one of the. I cried so fucking hard. Second time I cried was when yeah when him let's and talk about Ben let's have talk a moment about ben. on the stairs let's do it. Let's talk See, about just ben. watching him like try to back up with his little bike and like hold his project and like his headphones are trailing and like he can't get it all and it's so heartbreaking and it captures that character and also uh the actor who I'm tra- I, I'm trying Don't to use. Who cares? it doesn't even matter uh Jeremy Ray Taylor's there the kid you go. uh He's I, by so the way, young and so innocent. hate me because there's been so many times where on this you go, podcast Fuck it, doesn't matter. where Abby's like, what's the actor's name? I'm like, who cares? I'll get caught in a hole like trying to read facts. Yeah. 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 Next thing, Abby's like looking at a phone book like, I found his phone number. I found him. I'm outside of his house. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, give him credit. What it's just great name? casting. Jeremy Ray Taylor. Thank you. Oh, he sounds like a serial killer. Dude, no. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to his Instagram, he says that God is first in his life. So I don't think he's going to be killing anybody. With a name like Jeremy Ray Taylor, you can't help but start killing people. Or writing country music. <laughs> there you go. There you it's going to be one of those. Um, <laughs> one and the same. Okay, so let's talk about him. Ben Hanscom. Mm-hmm. Uh, More like Ben Handsome. There you go. He's Ooh. a cute kid. Yeah, these are all kids I have to keep remembering. As I'm, like, stalking Sophia Lillis on Instagram, I have to remember. She's a child. These are just kids. The first time I saw Ben on screen, I was like, oh, he kind of looks like the kid from Billy Madison when he's like... Gee, I can't wait till yeah. I get to hike school, Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jake, what'd you think of Ben? Yeah, uh, I thought he was. I thought Ben was pretty perfect. I think he he was really good. Um, the, the, I mean, I don't. We're saying the same thing over and over from each other, but yeah, he was uh, he was really well casted. That kid was pretty great, and that whole Ben, that Ben and Bev scene was super good. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but his project was 
a, a model of the standpipe, which yeah. is kind of an Easter egg because they don't really deal with the standpipe that much in the movie. They mention it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill is like beside it at one point on his bike, but the stand, a lot of stuff happens at the standpipe in the yeah. book. But uh, I thought that was a cool like little Easter egg. Um, yeah. All the like Ben in the library stuff, the, the form that Ben sees, obviously it's different from what he sees in the book, but um, the headless kid was something I really liked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that scene is in the book. Like they talk about that in the book. The head, the kid who's yeah, dead the winds Easter up in the tree. Fire. That is definitely in the book. And uh, well, what's that Ben's fear in the book? Vegetables. In the book, it's the mummy. <laughs> in the mummy. Yeah. Okay. In the in the book, Tom he Cruise. sees the mummy. Tom the Tom Cruise version. <laughs> yes, uh, and he's like, but, this shit's terrible. <laughs> he, he watches the mummy. I'm terrified. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the mummy, but one of the cool things in this film is like in the end when they're fighting it, he turns into the mummy. Yeah. And, and he turns into the mummy and it's like attacking Ben. His and it's not a very like, long mm-hmm. scene, but it happens. They threw the mummy in there, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Right. And when they introduced Ben, we had just met Beverly, who in like 10 seconds, you just know. Beverly? She's being bullied. These fucking three. Trash, Tanya Harding. Yeah, these three basically. Tanya Harding types. Uh, who also, the the girl who's the daughter of the pharmacist. Who's yeah, what's, I, I'm going to try to get her name. She's a character in the Perfect book. Perfect casting. Like an she character. looked like one of like DJ's bad friends from Full House. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they pour the trash water on her and they're calling her slut. And you can see right there that like you feel terrible for Beverly. But also you see how strong she is like right off the bat. And then she's interacting with Ben and they have the whole new kids on the block thing. It's just, it's money. Mm-hmm. I've never said that, but it's like, it's perfect. Yeah. And I was initially like, when the new kids on the block thing started to play out, I was kind of like, oh, this is, this is totally a departure from the miniseries, the book. This is this movie doing its own thing and the well, director having. New kids on the block wasn't around the 1950s. Yeah, this is true. They do have a bunch of hits. Right. But yeah, I thought that was really great writing. And like, I got choked up watching it. It was extremely sweet. And the look that Ben gives Bev, like, as she's signing his yearbook and the fact that those pages are blank, like that's a perfect distillation of a bunch of pages of books or pages in the book, like onto screen, like in a really well-tailored way. Like that just encapsulates so many emotions. That's that's truly like the art of great filmmaking is with no exposition and no explanation, you know what those characters are about in in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that sets like it apart from all these other horror movies is that it's well written. It's really well written and, and not just the dialogue, like that kind of stuff, like that scene. That's like a, that's like an artful scene. It's, It's good stuff. It tells you a lot in such a short amount of time and it gets, it gets the exact feeling through to you that it needs to. And, Mm -hmm. That's one of the best things about this movie is yeah. that you can go – even people who are like expecting – people who don't know anything about it and they're just expecting a horror movie are like they're, – I guarantee you they're not, they're not sitting there expecting to laugh as much as you do, mm-hmm. to feel like bad for some of these kids as much as you do and to you know just kind of fall for everything. Yes, that's what because was Because it's so, well written. Yeah, yeah, dude. So many people were asking me like, okay, so what do you think of the movie? Is it totally – like is it so scary? And I'm like, no, it's literally like a date movie. It's so romantic. Like I'm not afraid of anything in this movie. And it's, it's something that people connect to. And like it's so weird because like well, – it's not weird because the book itself was like going that juxtaposition of like sweet and romantic and emotional and – 
um, like in the, in the next second, like violent and frightening. And like, I love that back and forth. And like, I think it's a delicate balance. I think that Stephen King nails it. And I think that Andy Muschietti fucking nailed it in this movie. And I think that the moment at the end when uh, Bev and Bill have that kiss and it's like that sweet romance of like, you want them to kiss and, but she's got all the blood on her hand. And that's just like a perfect moment and a perfect image from the movie that is just the spirit of the book, and like I just love it. I like how we keep saying it's not scary, and clearly Bev's dad is so fucking scary. He Dude. is scary. Yeah. Yes, but that was my biggest fear going into the movie was that they weren't going to handle Bev properly, and Bev as a character and her like history and the shit that she goes through is just something that I really got and loved and connected with, and seeing her on screen and seeing the artistic direction and like. Because there was creative license, like they changed things. Like there were, there were some differences. Like she kills her dad in the movie, which she doesn't kill him in the book. So he's. I'm. Th- I am not convinced he's dead. You yeah. think there's a chance? Yeah, I'm it's not. Kind of that old there's a lot movie. of blood, but in there's mo- a lot of blood in the movie. So there is, and it kind of seems that way. But I mean, like I'm just not convinced because you know there's more. There's more that happens with with that. So right. I'm just yeah, and also I don't know. The, all I know is that when that happened, the lady behind me goes, "Oh, you knew you weren't supposed to fuck with that bitch." When, <laughs> so I was like, "All right." So, well, you weren't. Um, you weren't. You really. You should. know, in movies, like if they don't clearly show, if there's any question of whether somebody's dead or not, like usually they're still alive. Unless there's a heartbeat in the casket in the end of the movie, yeah. and I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> it's like my girl. Yeah. We knew he was dead. In fact, I'm not 100% sure that those bees weren't Pennywise. So there you go. (laughs) It's a connected universe. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, Leeches. Actually, no joke, there are parts of this movie that feel like My Girl. Because, like, you're dealing with childhood, innocence, coming of age. Obviously, uh, Veda Sultanfuss was Mm -hmm. afraid of death. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, Henry was afraid of bees. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'll do a My Girl episode another day. Yeah. well, oh. we're talking about kids that have trauma and issues, and, like, that's the connective tissue in I a mean, lot of Stephen listen, King books. listen, if you lived... Hold on. If you lived with a father who was Dan Aykroyd, who had the fucking mind and hobbies of oh, Chase uh, Ambrose... Yeah. <laughs> like, embalming people, it'd be weird, okay? Mm-hmm. He's um, gonna get weird. You're gonna be about, a loser. You're gonna be a loser. Let's talk about Bill. Yeah. Talk, uh, Bill and Georgie. We'll do this in pairs. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think? I mean, I was... I was worried about Bill because having a character who stutters, like being able to nail the stutter as an actor, making it not uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause it was uncomfortable in the miniseries. Like we talked about that. Um, but I felt like the kid who played Bill did a really good job. I felt like the fact that he was soft spoken, um, throughout the majority of the movie and that his stutter was like believable. And like, he scrunched his face up at certain points, which he does like in the book. That's like a characteristic that's written about a lot. Um, I felt like he was, he was like, I don't think he was as much of a leader. And I actually was reading an interview with uh, the director saying that he wanted Bev to be almost an equal to Bill as a leader of the group, which I think definitely played out in the movie. I felt like Bill was a little bit more timid, but he does kind of come up to bat like at the when they decide to go back into Kneebolt Street the second time. So like he's still just as much of a leader. Oh, here's one thing that I was bummed about with Bill. In the book, he's a writer and, like, an aspiring writer, and I think that Stephen King got a chance to really write about his early writing process and his relationship with his brother, and I thought that was beautiful, and that was some of the shit that I really connected with the first time uh, when I read those chapters in it. So I was kind of bummed because in the movie, uh, they made him, like, 
he doesn't really have anything. He's doodling at one point. Like, it looks like he's an artist. So he has, like, artistic aspirations. But I really, I'm not sure what's going to happen with him in the second act because he's, I don't know if he's going to become a writer or not. So I guess I'm a little bit worried about that stuff. Um, so when it comes to the way they held or handled the character, I felt like it was pretty good, but I kind of missed some of the book stuff. So And Georgie was, like, adorable, and the kid who plays Georgie is heartbreaking. And, like, I get teared up hearing, like, his voice. Yeah. So Jake, before I throw you on this, I will say, like, knowing how... If you're familiar at all with the movie, you know how it starts. And when, when you see Bill putting the wax on the boat, and there's mm-hmm. that shot from them behind where Georgie just puts his arm around him, <gasps> I yeah. literally was going to walk out of the theater like, I can't handle That's this. That's when like, I started I'm fucking crying. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. I was like, if you guys are all going to talk around me, I'm going to fucking cry. And I started crying at that moment. Because in the book, Georgie gives Bill a kiss, which is like, it's something he doesn't do that, like, very often. So it made the moment memorable. And, like, when he's walking out, you're like, your heart's fucking broken. Like, when Stan leaves the group and he's like, see you guys later. You're like, no, you won't. (laughs) But maybe he will, because I guess they could change that, too. Who knows if they're going to open with things, like, the same way, if Stan's going to go out the same way. So, Jake? Uh, um, thoughts on Bill as compared to the book well, and the miniseries? First of all, I think it was confirmed today that Stan is going to commit suicide in the oh, sequel. Okay. But but they are going to, you know, there are going to be a lot of scenes. There are going to be a lot of flashbacks. Yes. They, they've said, like, the kids are going to be in it. So that kid, okay. all that stuff will be back. But um, cool. as far as far as Ben, or uh, not Ben, we're talking about, we're talking about Bill, Bill. now. Um, Bill! Bill! I liked Bill a lot. Really? I think that kid. I think that kid is super good in that role. Like that. It's so one of the things that's crazy to me about this movie is that this whole movie is filled with unknowns. The only the only two people in this movie that people even recognize is Finn Wolfhard and Bill Skarsgård. But both of them aren't like super. You know, Bill is he's been in a couple TV shows or something. Nothing I'd ever seen before. And Finn has only been in Stranger Things it pretty is, much. Yeah. So you got this movie that's full of, you know, 10 to 12 unknown actors that are all fucking better than people who have been getting put in movies 10 times a year for forever. It's like, how, how, how are there this many, like, if this isn't something that studios should step back and be like, oh, it doesn't need to have big name actors in it. Other people can act just as good or if not better kids and, and they're fucking swear. kids yeah they're fucking kids and i think bill is amazing in it i think bill's different because in the book and in the miniseries um his motivation is a little different because they changed the fact that georgie's body isn't found and mm-hmm. because of that bill has this thing where he's like he's denying that george is dead and I, and you know, deep down, you know, he he knows. Everybody else knows it. His dad is like, "Hey, George is dead." Richie, almost in the, you know, very early on, is like, "Oh, I'm sorry, he's not dead. He's missing." You know, everybody knows he's dead. But in the movie, it, it come. Bill's motivation is more of a sad thing, and he's and he's trying to find his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book and in the miniseries, he knows George is dead, and he's like, and he knows this creature did it, and it's more of a revenge thing. It's right. more of a like, oh. I'm fucking pissed off and I'm going to fucking figure out how to kill yeah. you. So I think on some his levels, character's a little different. No, Go I, ahead. What are you no, going to say? I was going to say, I think on some levels, like this almost 
from a from the aspect of like pulling on your heartstrings and like imagining yourself in that situation as a twelve or thirteen year old kid desperately wanting to find your little brother, probably knowing deep down that he's gone but not willing to give up. Like that's like that's some heavy stuff and like the actor, the kid, like uh Ab, can you find his name so I don't I gotta give these guys credit. Oh yeah. Like, the kid who played Bill, like Jaden Lieberher. Yeah. Jaden he kind of wears it on his face the whole movie. There's like an inherent sadness to him. Um, even he's got an emo haircut. <laughs> yes, he does. Poor Bill uh, Denbro. But even though he's haircut. confident and he does kind of act as a leader, mm-hmm. like you can tell, like there there's some really heavy like undertones throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He seems he seems very like for a kid that young, and he seems very adult yeah. in like mm-hmm. his decisions and what he's saying. And he seems like he he's got it together that way. And uh, there there is a point in the movie. It, you know what? It's the the projector scene. The projector scene happens, and that's when he's like, that's when it kind of hits him. Like, hey, this is this is what happened to my brother. And you know, as soon as that projection scene happens, he's like, we gotta go, we gotta go to the Neibolt Street house right now. And it's that's literally the next thing. He goes there, and. On that porch, when no one else wants to follow him in, he gives that speech. Yep. And not only and not only is like that kind of the real first like leader type speech that he gives, something happens that's pretty important in the book and that he doesn't stutter. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the same way it is in the book. And now this got like this got a laugh in my theater the first time I watched it. Yes. But he, he gives that speech and Richie says like, oh, he didn't stutter uh, at all. Right. And people, I don't know why people thought that that was like a joke. I can tell you, right now, you I and can, I got, I got mad. I got so mad. I at can that. tell you why, because I kind of okay. had the same reaction. I completely agree that it's, he did not mean like he wasn't, he was at, that's the first time in the movie where Richie shows any level of like, like heart towards his friends, even though yeah. he's playfully messing with them all the time. He's not, yeah, a his humor is a coping mechanism. His sarcasm but, is a defense. But mechanism. because, He's literally like making dick jokes and like making fun of his friends. Everyone's expecting that to be movie. a joke too, so they it react just laughing. Comes it comes off, off as a joke. right? But but yeah. on a rewatch, um, yeah, because like in the book, when Bill does impressions of other people, like he's able to do it without stuttering. And he, whenever he, you talk, yeah, it means it's something yeah, he cares about or is exactly whenever about. whenever he's whenever he's leading or he's giving these like you know whenever he's got it together he doesn't stutter you know when he's, when he's in his talking writer's about, mind yeah like when exactly, he's organized like, well because what yeah. he says when is amazing he says walking into this house is so much easier, easier than, than walking, walking into, my, into my, own. my own without my brother yeah yes. isn't that such like a heavy thing yes. to hear like yes. watching a movie about a, a killer clown and then he says that and yep. you're just like what your heart kind of sinks a little bit and i also think like getting back to when we first started talking we were talking about what's scary and what's not scary mm-hmm. that first that first Nebel house scene where they 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 mm. all kind of fight Pennywise for the first time, I think it's I think it's the best part of the movie, and they do a really good job at, at, at making the Nebel Street house seem weird and disjointed the way it's described in the book. But mm. the scene where Pennywise comes out of the refrigerator oh. and he kind of like slow dances towards Eddie. That stuff is the. I think that's the scariest stuff in the movie. Like, yes. it, it's so it's so much weirder and creepier than the than the like, uh, the weird 
Pennywise running really fast towards mm-hmm. you. Or the it's painting that, coming at you. It's that dancing towards you. And when he grabs Eddie and Eddie is screaming because he thinks he's about to get killed. Yeah. And Pennywise is like mocking him and like mm-hmm. pretending like he's going to bite his fingers, you know? Oh, yeah. But but when but when uh, this is something I was talking to some friends about earlier today. But when when Jor, when Bill and Richie show up right before, you know, Penny's going to try to eat Eddie. Uh-huh. Um, probably the like the worst, meanest, like heartbreaking thing in the movie takes place. And it's when Pennywise like looks at Bill and he's like, he says, oh, am I not real enough for you? Yes. It was real enough for Georgie. Yes. Like that is like he's kind of playing with Bill. Yeah. And that is just the most horrifying, meanest thing he could say, because that is the moment that's 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 confirmation Georgie's dead to Bill. Mm-hmm. That takes it all away. Like that in in Bill's mind at that moment, he's like he can't pretend anymore. Yeah, it's a big changing moment, and also that's like part of the in the defeat of Pennywise, like in the sewers in the book. Like it's Bill realizing that it wasn't his fault that Georgie died, and like coming to terms with that, realizing it's not his fault that his parents are assholes. Like that it's that he is like I don't that that Pennywise feeds on fear and the less you fear him the more you have clarity of like what the reality of of life is and your role and like becoming an adult like that's why the like sorry to bring up the orgy scene but like having sex and like those kind of like become having that passage of time and becoming an adult and like making those decisions like that stuff was the stuff that I loved in the the final act of the book and that's not me saying I like chapter 22 for the record but I am saying that like being able to grow up and like that coming of age is something that that was like part of the defeat of Pennywise. And I think they did that stuff really well in the movie. So, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, everybody knows that's part of the book and mm-hmm. Pete, there's been so many articles about it this week, which to me is super unfair to the movie. It's, it is. And yeah. it's kind of like, you're it's tired a, of saying yeah, it. It's like, yeah. you're tired of seeing it because people, people point it out and like who, you know, who's to make the decision, like, should it actually be in there or not? I've seen like so many arguments towards, Oh, you shouldn't write that kind of stuff against like what it actually means within the context of the book. And I, I watched a video today actually, Oh, you know what? This will be the enemy of the podcast. A uh, comic book girl made a video about, Oh um, my God, about this. And she, she went into detail about how, how she thinks that scene in the book is really well written and kind of like, it's beautiful. It's weird. She called, yeah, she called it, you know, sweet almost. That's and what she's I like, said to my best friend today. It, it's like sex positive. She used, you know, dude, she, they talk which, about fucking which, doves taking off and like it's it's lovely. <laughs> those yeah. weren't doves, dude. But, those were not but, doves. It, but then again, it's like you also like, oh, it's also like twelve year old children. So yeah, like people, is, like people who don't know anything about the book or haven't read it or don't know the context, of course, that's what they're going to pull out. Dude, be there's like, fucking infant murder in this book. Like, why Jake are people just not said, more upset about Jake just that? said pull out. Pull out. <laughs> um, I think it's Dubs also a little, everywhere. If you're reading a, a eleven or twelve hundred page book, that takes a long time. By the time you get to that, you're completely and utterly invested into these characters. You know them inside and out, uh, like they know each other in Whoa. chapter twenty-two, and uh, you can't get away with that. Let's say even like from a society standpoint, like people would accept a bunch of twelve-year-olds having sex in a movie, like. After two hours, it it would not make sense in the context of what you you're don't know. You don't need it you, exactly. No. You don't need it. And, it, we, and 
watching it is not going to come across the way it does is yes. reading it. They can't explain the mm-hmm. things that you need to have explained to you. So because it just I'll, wouldn't. Let me say it wouldn't this. Work. They I'll, spend the first part of the movie with people calling Beverly a slut. And then it, like 30 minutes in, it's like, oh, she's not a slut. But if an hour later she was having sex with all six of those kids, you'd be like, oh, maybe she's kind of slut. No, they didn't need any of that. That's like creative license, experimental, whatever. Who knows what happened? There's all sorts of... You could go on either side. People say he was doing drugs. Stephen King was doing a lot of coke when he was writing whatever. Maybe he was going off on a tangent. Maybe it could have... Whatever. All I know is I respect the fuck out of Stephen King, and I thought there were parts of that that were beautiful. And, yeah, I also think that it's really lame to have clickbait articles and, like, people getting upset about that one little thing because it's like, dude, there's so much heart and love in this book, and Beverly Marsh's character I absolutely loved. And, yeah, I'm on the... I'm kind of sick of talking about it is kind of how I Yeah, no, so. I was going to say, we can, we can move on. We can totally move Whatever. Yeah. Um, I felt uh, like the way that, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. I felt like Ben kissing Bev and that, like, stopping the spell and getting her out of the deadlights and her reciting the haiku, I thought that was a much better approach to, like, the the whole aspect of, like, everyone being in love with Bev and, like, their love for each other being the bond that saves them, like, and... Well, also that was in the movie, a, you don't a get a vibe that everyone's in love with Ben. You very much Bev. know that... With Bev. You know that Ben is and that Bill likes her. Like, mm-hmm. they don't... Yeah, that's one of the things they... No, you finish your thought. No, that was it. <laughs> that, that was my thought. I mean, the only... I mean, I guess, like, uh, they, they do mention that kind of thing more in the book. And uh, one of the things they do change is that in the book, Richie and, and Bev are really good friends. Like mm-hmm. they, they already know each other and yeah. he's kind it's like you, you kind of get, maybe he's kind of in love with her too, but they it never like really goes. Date. Yeah. They have a thing, but there's, there's, there's nothing beyond that, but mm-hmm. they, but they are like really good friends cool. kind of from the beginning. Let's finish up the losers. Uh, we already talked about, um, Jew boy. I can say that I'm Jewish. What's his name? <laughs> you can say it. Stan. Stan. We already talked about Stan. Stan. Uh, ready for- mm-hmm. Stan. I do want to reiterate one more time. My name is Craig Goldberg. I am of Jewish faith. I can say anything I want about anybody, uh, especially <laughs> if they're Jewish. Um, My but, name is Abigail Gardner, and I can just say whatever I want. No, that's not true. Uh, let's talk about uh, Richie and Eddie real quick. Um, okay. I'll just give my thoughts quickly. I thought Richie stole the show. He's funny. His jokes land 100% of the time. Uh, from what I've read from the uh, producers and, and – uh, Andy uh, Milanakis. Um, I'm just going to keep saying that. Uh, that is his nat- his natural inclination is to be the quick wit. Uh, he is very on top of it. Yeah, you he's, can. It he's the life of the party. He's very funny, naturally. Class the clown. They said, <laughs> though, his jokes that he makes in real life aren't that juvenile. But the way he delivered them was 100% like that's from the actor like i don't know if another kid could Dude you can see the like glee that. on his face like when he's delivering a line like he's hilarious yeah. cuz we talked about it this movie I want to hang out with him Here comes a hot take you guys ready for this Yeah I know it what you're going to say is funnier than ghostbusters mm-hmm. answer the call Oh it fuck is. yeah It's a funnier <laughs> movie Dude It is Yeah obviously it's scarier it's unexpectedly funnier than a lot of movies. And even though we read the book and we know Richie is funny like that and, and there are some funny things, I still was kind of su- surprised. And I think that's one of the – I think that's something that's helping the movie is I guarantee you most of the public going to see this aren't expecting it to it to be as funny as it is. Right. Well, I'm thinking of other like Stephen King adaptations. Like are there other funny – like are, you can't – 
I mean, the whole thing is like when we could, we keep comparing it to Ghostbusters and to the call because that is a movie that we all looked forward to just as much. But right. I'm telling you, on one-fourth the budget, probably one-fourth the marketing budget with an unknown cast, we have a horror movie that's also a remake of a beloved movie that is scary, it's also is a comedy, funny, almost, yeah. and it made a shit ton of money and is going to continue. It made $9 million yesterday on Monday. Yeah, and we're not even including internet. <laughs> this movie's gonna make like three, yeah. four hundred million dollars. Yeah, and it's like, and you know, and there why? was a fucking strong ass like mold breaking female lead character in the movie. Yeah, and it what there was no agenda, Mm-mm. there was no gimmick. They just made a movie that was faithful to the source material that had amazing characters. It was well written and well directed. Having said all that, what do you guys think about Eddie Casbrack? Hey. Dude, I thought Eddie oh. was almost funnier than Richie. Like, legitimately, I think I laughed almost harder at him. My, that yeah, little my, actor's funny. My biggest surprise of this movie was how much I liked Eddie because I don't care for Eddie in the original series or the book. Like, he's just not – I don't know. Like, he's fine in the book, but I, I would never – he would never be at my list of, you know, my favorite of the Losers Club. And that kid, he is – he is funny. He's got some of the funniest shit. And some of it's even like weird throwaway. Like there's a uh, – when they first um, – when they find Ben and they're they're like on their bikes going to the pharmacy and he goes into this like tirade about the AIDS epidemic. Yep. And he's like – How do you amputate a waist? He's like – he says something and he's he's like talking about somebody catching a disease – or, or, or getting infected through a hangnail, a yeah. hangnail. And he says <laughs> it like that. And it's not even on screen. You just hear it. And I'm like, this is the funniest. This kid is amazing. I love yeah, that, that kid, kid. If they don't, they're going to have a hard time trying to find an adult actor to match how amazing that kid is. Yeah. yeah. Eddie, Eddie in this movie, I can't believe he's that good. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Love you, mommy. When he gives her a kiss. Oh my Sorry, God. Mom. It's in my second fanny pack. Uh, oh my god! Why do you have two fanny packs? <laughs> oh my god! I uh, like that he was actually like that. He steps up like to bat, like when he's like helping uh, Ben, like cleaning his wounds and stuff. Because that's like a little bit stronger than he was in the books. He was kind of a weenie uh, in the books. So I thought it was yeah, cool that he yeah. was a little bit stronger on screen. This motherfucker's leaving leaking hamburger helper. Yeah. <laughs> god, he was so funny. Um, I do like the scene where they're cleaning off um, Ben's wound. And Beverly walks up, and they all cut. He kind of like Ben, like straightens up, like dude, you just got tries cut. to look yeah. all cool. And he he's, just got his carved. fucking guts are hanging out. <laughs> hey, let's talk about these Bauer boys. Come yeah. on, let's do it. Yeah, man, Bauer's okay. Bauer's gang. Um, I you got. I mean, you take it. Go for it. I mean, you got the. These are your kind of main antagonists besides okay. Pennywise in, mm-hmm. the, in the film. Um, I don't know. Yeah, they're like the junior bosses in the book, like the the first level bosses, basically. <laughs> I'm you glad that one. you said that because my buddy Peter at work, who did not like this movie at all, and he, you know, Peter's a horror aficionado. He was talking to me. He's an elitist. He was talking to me about his favorite Italian horror movies from the 1970s. Oh, cool. Like, oh, cool. did he? Sounds like but, a cool guy. But um, he was like, he he was complaining about the ending of the movie because he said it felt when all of them are facing off against Pennywise. He said it felt like a boss battle in RPG. <laughs> Because everybody was jumping on Penny. Yeah. Doing but their we'll, thing. Let's talk about Bauer first. Bowers? Bauer? You're just going to say Bauer? Bauer. Bowser. Bowser. Well, it's a, he's Bowser. Let's talk about Bowser. Let's talk about Bowser. Henry Bowser's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, your Pennywise, the dancing clown, is in another castle. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Oh, and we just. I played that. Oh, um, trapped in the dungeon. Da, so da, da. I, I I didn't I didn't have a big issue with Henry. I, I've seen a lot of people talk about 
not liking it. And he is kind of different. Um, obviously, you got you got the time thing where maybe you don't get enough of him. But I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was. I thought he seemed pretty intense and scary and just kind of unhinged. And I really like the way uh, when he walks, his arms don't move because that it's such a weird looking motion. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but when he, when he's like walking towards the balloon, yes, uh, he, he doesn't move his arms when he walk. And I, and I'm like that scene for some reason, that seems like the mark of a little psychopath to yeah. me mm-hmm. that he walks like that. I don't know. It was just weird. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of good stuff with him. Uh, they, they do a pretty good job of showing that something in the book that's really cool is even before all the losers are together, Henry Bowers hates all of them. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. he is after Ben and he is after Mike and mm-hmm. everybody and before Richie. they even, before they even know each other. Yeah. And they did a pretty good job at that. I think because you, that that's, that's a lot of the Mike stuff you get before you even get to Mike is, is, you know, being scared of Henry. And the first time you meet uh, Ben and, and Bev, Bev's like, Hey, I know everyone knows Henry's after you. You know what I mean? So like yeah. that kind of stuff I liked, we mentioned it earlier. His ending is is a little different and a little, a little uh, disappointing because you know the Bowers gang they follow the losers into the sewer and you know a couple of them get killed on the way and you know Henry gets driven crazy yeah. by the deadlights, which they change all that. But since we're talking about the Bowers gang, I want to talk about the thing that I disliked most of all in this movie, mm-hmm. and that's Patrick Hockstetter. Um, Patrick Hockstetter is the guy who gets killed pretty early on. He has the little like aerosol can. Yeah, kind of looks like um, Adam Driver a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. mini Adam Driver. That's Mi- what, yeah, that's what we someone I might have uh, dated back a long time ago. <laughs> ah. So Patrick in the I book. Like, it. Patrick in the book is is one of it's one of my favorite sections of the book because he's insane. He's He's very crazy. Uh, they talk about how he killed his brother when he was five years old. He he has a refrigerator at the junkyard that he fills with animals, and he just lets them die in there. Mm-hmm. And he's he's insane. Like he th- he has this weird thing where the reason he killed his brother is because he thinks his brother is not a real being, and he and he and he perceives like he's insane. He thinks he's mm-hmm. the only real being in the on the world and that everybody else is fake. So it doesn't matter if he's you know, he's he's a psychopath. Yeah. And his death in the book is it's one of the grossest things in the book. And I love it. And mm-hmm. when I found out Patrick was gonna be in the movie, I was instantly excited. I was like, holy shit. Because he's not in the he's not in the miniseries at all. And I was like, oh, we might we might get some of this Patrick stuff. And and then there when the trailer came out with Pennywise coming out of the refrigerator, uh, a, there's the fridger Patrick. There's a refrigerator that is like, you know, important yes. to Patrick's little story. So I was like, oh, fuck, Pennywise is coming out of the refrigerator. It's got to be the Patrick thing. Yes. And a lot of people there was like buzz about it. People are like, oh, fuck, the Patrick shit's happening. Um and, and none of it does. You don't get any of it. it. Patrick is the most wasted character in this movie. I do know the movie's two hours long, whatever. But his death could have still sort of resembled his book death. Well, they didn't and, really show his they, death. They yeah, don't. And they his, don't. that's what I'm saying. Like he's got he's got one of the coolest. He just disappears. Grossest deaths in the book. And the actor who plays him is really good too. He was on that show Bloodline, and I really like him. So, oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, uh, that is him. Yeah, he could have pulled off doing some fucked up shit. Is all I'm yeah. saying. So, it that's been the very thing cool is like, 
that's the thing is like in the book when you have one of the best death scenes like i you know i just finished reading it for the second time and, the, and as soon as i started it i was like i'm ready to get to this patrick hockstetter stuff yeah and when you put that character in the movie and not only are you changing his death scene you it's the worst death scene in the movie it's the it's the hokiest and the most jump uh, scariest jump scary yeah it's the most generic horror scene in it yeah and for what is the most unique and, yeah, it bums, yeah it bums me out it was the it was my biggest gripe the first time i saw it the second time i was still like it's still it's still my biggest gripe of the movie i can like you know, I'm, I, I can kind of try to give it a pass, but every time I see it, I'm going to mm-hmm. be a little annoyed. I feel that. like, do you think that they just didn't show the deaths of those kids because they were still trying to create the mystery of are these kids just missing or are they dead? Like for those who just have, have no inclination of where the movie's going. Oh, like I don't know. Left it I don't. Up. I don't think so. I think. I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't think so because there's so many deaths happening, and there's right. so many implied deaths. Mm-hmm. And you know, Patrick sees those like zombie kids or whatever. But people who read the book know, like, oh, those are the dead kids. The dead kids are a big thing in the in the in right. the book. They right. show yeah. up multiple times. Stan encounters them in the They're in that, com- the they're in that pipe, commercial. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Stan. That's what's what Stan sees in the book. But they're in the commercial. Those are the dead kids. They yeah. talk to Beverly through the stand. Yeah. Or the through the drain pipe, yeah. Stand. The drain, drain, right? Hey, so the stand. So that was cool, like seeing the dead kids. But still, like you know, in the book, he goes out in a pretty gross, disgusting, like just horrific way. No, and, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but also piggybacking off that, I was going to mention that Henry Bauer's stuff was fell short a little bit to me when it came to like his the backstory because like. I think a lot of one of the major themes in it is like the cycle of abuse and the cycle of violence and how that's passed down from generation to generation. And I felt like um, Henry Bauer's dad was a piece of shit character. I specifically remember parts of it where like they would just eat beans and fart all day and like you just wanted him to die. So like when that scene happens when Henry murders his father, that's awesome. But I felt like. They well, they left out a lot of the backstory with the Hanlins His and de- the Bowers talk about, family. So we're going to talk about Mike here in a second because yeah. he deserves. Because Mike's awesome in this movie, but probably. But the character my, Jake, Mike you is said, my, was your Mike favorite. is my second disappointment of the movie. I want to talk about that, but can we talk about what's Henry's dad's name? Henry Bauer. Butch. Butch, Butch, Butch Bowers. He might have the best line in the movie. The paper, paper yeah. oh, the man paper man crumbles. crumbles. Is yeah. that out of the book? No, but it's I don't think so. Really, no. Because feels, he walks up and he shoots. Like the basically, ground. Butch walks up and sees Henry. They're about to sh- kill a cat, which they don't. Thank God. God, I, I was so that. stressed. Uh, and the then sheep he, was enough. Yeah, uh, and they they start shooting him at his feet. Yeah, or his, his dad does, and he looks at his as, at his friends and he says something along the lines like. Uh, nothing you, like like a nothing like fear to see a paper man crumble or something, like, or something like that. But the way he delivers it, like he only has like two or three lines in the movie. But I was like, oh shit, I like that. He's a lot better than Bill's dad because I felt like the guy who played yeah, that Mr. Was, a little was kind of a little weak. But so we talk about the level of scariness in this movie. One thing, so to me, Halloween's my all-time favorite horror movie, and the scariest things in that movie are when you when it's broad daylight. And you see Michael Myers like peeking out behind the bushes yeah. or behind mm-hmm. 
you know, the right. uh, the laundry line. Not, a, not obeying, not obeying the traffic laws. That kind oh, of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> See, Michael, listen, there is a thin line between fear and arousal from like a sexual standard point of view. Yes, and. See Michael Myers jaywalking is just I, I don't it's just know. Hot. I, I get aroused. Stop. Yeah. No, I come to a complete yeah. stop. There's no. oh something's, <laughs> something's completing when I see oh. Michael Myers driving. Enjoying himself. Oh, in an, anyways, like an that's drive. another conversation for the day. <laughs> but to me, some of the creepiest things in this movie are one, the red balloon in the back of the car when mm-hmm. you see the elderly couple drive by not helping Ben. Uh when you see Pennywise, and this was the scene that's in all the trailers, but when you just see him standing in front of like the little farmhouse with the balloons, yeah, just mm-hmm. seeing the, the whole theater was like, oh, it's when they fuck- saw that. I was like, guys, we've seen this. It's creepy though, but it's because creepy what makes it creepy is you're seeing something that doesn't belong. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. So, I read an article the other day because I was trying. I actually did some uh, deep internet digging on why some people have a fear of clowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in you know, because we, we didn't did. see the movie. You and I both did. And one, and I never thought about this before. Um, people who have a fear of clowns, part of it is that you're seeing what looks kind of like a normal person, but slightly off center in multiple places. People so. rely on facial expressions and like facial recognition to interpret emotions that people are exhibiting. Um, and basically the makeup of a clown masks those wrinkles and those tiny like changes in the face. So if you're not able to see that, you're not able to know what's going on emotionally in the person. So it's frightening because they may like you don't know what's going on inside their head basically. Right. And then also seeing a clown outside of its natural element, which, which would is be like, like a, a circus. circus. Yeah, or like a But funny. the circus apparently blew away. Oh, sound of the train! They got popcorn and candy. Yeah. Like HBO. Um, let's. They got HBO down there. That's a- guys. We we've 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 been recording for almost like two hours. And we haven't I would say about- hour and a half. We haven't even talked about like Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Well, we're gonna get there. Let's talk about guys. Oh, we might. This I'm might. Crushing. This might turn into a two-parter. Yeah. Let's talk about Can Mike. We- let's talk about Mike. Let's talk about Mike. Let's talk about Mike. Jake, you go first. Jake, talk. About I'll go Mike. first. So when I read when I read it for the second time, Mike became one of, if not my favorite characters. He he has so much. He just has so much good stuff. His his uh, interaction with seeing it for the first time, uh, the the bird, is really scary stuff. And he's the one who 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 has all the the backstory, the history, all the dairy interludes in the book that. You know, tell you about the black spot, all everything. That's all from Mike. You get so much of him, and all the like. When his dad tells him the story of the black spot, finally, it's kind of they tease you with the black spot in the book, and they kind of tease you with it in the movie too. Uh, right. But they mention it, and he asks his dad, you know, what is this? And his dad's like, I, "You're too young for me to tell you about this." He finally tricks his dad into telling him what it is on his dad's deathbed. And when his dad gets to the end of the story, his dad's like, oh, there was another thing. There was a giant bird. And you get that, like, realization that 27 years earlier, Mike's dad saw the same, you know, version of Pennywise that Mike did. And it's kind of – that's kind of a big thing in the book. And you don't get any of that in the movie. And I I, I wasn't expecting to get a whole lot of the backstory – 
you know, we got a little bit, we're, and we'll get more in the second one. But I, I wasn't expecting all all of that. But they give all of you know the the backstory they do give. They give it to Ben. They they take it from Mike, and it's it's given to Ben mm-hmm. for everyone to know. And and some of those changes make a little bit of sense. But Ben Mike doesn't come in the movie. He doesn't join the losers until almost halfway through. And once he does, he's he's kind of just there. Yeah. He's just the seventh. Uh, a big thing about the book. It's also big, weird that they changed his name to Winston. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but that was like when it comes. Because we were just saying thing. it's the same thing, right? We were it's just saying how the writing thing. was so good in the movie. Uh, that's the one line that I didn't love was when um, Mike walks away from the group and they're having their spat, and he's like, "Oh, I should have listened to my grandfather. I am an outsider." It kind of it just felt yeah. like a you it's, know, it kind of bums you out. Yeah, I like to show, don't tell. Like that's just telling they, what it is. So. They they also like a, a big thing about the book. Uh, and, and the miniseries is like it's kind of important that there's seven of them. Whenever they whenever they meet Mike for the first time, it they 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 can all feel that they're like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. It yes. happens to they all like agree like, oh, now we now we can do it. They mm-hmm. up until that point, they're very unsure to what to do, how to do it. Yeah. But once there's seven of them, it's an important thing, and they kind of don't. They kind of don't do that in the movie. They they do they do mention like, hey, it's important that we're all together, but they don't they don't put that emphasis on like Mike shows up and now and that's that's one issue that I had with the rock fight is because okay the rock fight in this movie it is it's kind of played a little more the tone is shifted to the almost tone's comedic. different yeah it's a little comedic it's a little silly and you do like the rock fight ends and you do feel like fuck yeah they they did it you know and uh mm-hmm. both times i saw the movie the audience applauded after the rock fight and that's good that's that's a good thing but in the book in the miniseries the rock fight is it's serious it's a it's a serious thing people are getting hurt beverly gets hurt and when the rock fight is over, that's that's kind of them standing up to the bullies for the first time, and that's the first time right that passage, you know, yeah. In the in a, in the miniseries, uh, Bill says the six of us could put you in the hospital, and Mike goes seven, and that shit yeah. is good. Like that gives you goosebumps, you Chills. know. And they don't do that. They don't do this movie is just like oh we won the rock fight, and I didn't have a big as an issue with the rock fight the second time. But it still yeah. plays in, it still plays into my issue with Mike. Yeah, is he seems he seems a little less there and a little less important. His character's thinner, yeah, like pared down for sure. And yeah, being split and I, into another character like Ben is, it's not did, yeah, it's not yeah, it's not disrespectful handling, but it's like there was so much rich texture and like backstory that was you know, uh, unfolded through him as a character. And I, and what's weird is Mike is the first one you see in the movie after, uh, Georgie's killed and it, you know, flash forward like a year or whatever. Uh, yeah. Mike's the first one you see. So they introduce him right off the bat and it feels very important. He obviously is, uh, you get a little bit of his backstory, and uh, it's not very clear that that's his grandfather. No, I was going to say you don't get as much backstory. You know that he's he's not in the school system because he's not with them on the day when they're getting out. So you get that, that he's separate, but yeah. you don't, yeah, exactly. But you don't get, which I loved, but you don't get exactly who the guy is who's giving him the life lesson. After like reading an article, after my first feeling, I was like, okay, so that's his, it's a relative because his they parents changed, Yeah, they completely passed changed. Away. Like his parents are dead in exactly. this. Exactly. In the book, they're not, you know. 
Yeah, which I guess adds to him being that's his trauma. That's what links him to the group. But yeah, I think that like necessity that like writers like OCD satisfaction of like there's seven of them and there's a need to get them all together. Just like how the things kind of mirror the action, the things that happened in when they were kids, 27 years later as adults, when they're facing off against Pennywise again, some of the same stuff happens. And like, there's that, like, it's, it's just satisfying. And it's like what you want to read and like having sometimes that stuff, I guess, doesn't translate into a movie as much, but I did miss that like driving force between all the losers coming together and it feeling like fate was guiding them. And it it felt really important in the book. And I think in the movie there was just like, it's more of a, we're all kind of hanging out together and I don't know. I guess it didn't have quite of like the, it's a big and important thing, but you can't translate those things as well from the book to screen or yeah. So I think he's going to be, um, one, one of the, the things that worried me from that is I, you know, in the book and in the miniseries, Mike is the one who stays in the town and he's the one who stays. He's the only one who doesn't forget for, you know, he doesn't forget what happened. Everyone else forgets. because Once they leave dairy, they forget. And Mike is the one who gets a job at the library, researches, mm-hmm. follows the, the the cycle, and he's the one who calls everybody back. He's very important, and it it scared me when they took away, you know, the stuff that they did in this film, and it made me think like, what if Ben's going to be the one who stays Whoa. back? Then what? But, he's not going to be an architect. Well, yeah, <laughs> but Dude, they, Stan's going to be alive the whole time. <laughs> but they have come out and said like, no, Mike is going to be more important to the second part. Mike's going to be calling him. They're like, Hey, he's like, Hey, it's Mike. Like Mike. Oh, I remember you. percent. I remember exactly who you are. I remember <laughs> Is you. Is this if Paul Fink directs it? Yeah. He's gonna be like, you, I know you because you have blonde hair mm-hmm. and blue eyes. And you hate coffee. And you hate coffee. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, you know, I mean, well, maybe, and it's, it could be the other thing that could have filmed more Mike stuff, and for whatever. And they're reason. opening with the black spot. I believe. I believe one. they probably did. Yeah, so, I believe they probably did. And I think. I think. Uh, they also, you know, they've said that there's going to be flashbacks to the kids more. So I'm like, you know, we're going to get more Mike in that, and also him being, you know, they have confirmed he is going to be the one who brings them all back together, and that alone That's is going to is going to put a lot on that character. So yeah, I, I'm I'm confident like we're gonna maybe get a little bit of um, redemption for, for how little there was of him. In this film. And maybe so. if they, from what they're saying, they're, since they're going to have more adult fears and, like, adult themes, maybe they'll, like, touch on the racial tensions and stuff that they definitely skipped out on in this movie in the second one. Maybe we'll have, like, yeah. that I mean, illuminated they, a little bit. If they actually, if their plan, you know, we, we've all read the articles where where they have mentioned that they want to open the second film with the black spot. And, you know, obviously that could change at any time, but if that goes through, then obviously we're going to, we're going to get that racial stuff because mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the core of it. The, that, well, think about this. It the next movie takes place 27 years later, which puts it in 2016, which mm-hmm. is essentially now. And, yeah. uh, racial tensions just in our country in 2017, 2016, it's a real thing. Like it yeah. won't yeah. be that out of place. Yeah. It's like an ever present thing. That's why right. Stephen King writes about it. It's why it pops up in fiction. Like it's, it's something that people talk about that has to be dealt yeah. with. I think Stephen King deals with it in a great way. And I think that Mike yeah. Halen is an awesome character in the book. And I think that I was a little bummed out just like you, Jake, with the way they interpreted him on screen. So this is more, more think, Mike. Yeah. No, go for it, Jake. That's all. I, I was just gonna say the, the 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 whole black spot thing is 
it, it, it's also it, it's one of the most horrifying things in the book and and it is like you know a racial it's a racially charged thing mm-hmm. but even beyond that it's it's just horrifying to read about and and the whole pennywise's like manifestation yeah. and that scene is horrifying yeah. and if that's how they're going to start the movie then like right off the bat like wh- that's a heavy thing to be starting a movie with oh. so right. i i originally was kind of well, hoping do we want to second- spoil it and say exactly what the black yeah, spot I is think for, people for our who listeners who aren't familiar yeah, with the black spot sure. it's a giant human barbecue that takes place like at a club like a jazz club and it's it's a it's a it's a club that a couple uh, a couple guys put together and it's it's a mostly like African American club and yeah. they uh it what is it Round Halloran's there from the shining and like yeah Yeah, exactly. Dick Halloran's char- as a character is in that. But yeah, and the KKK basically, show up basically. It, yeah, it's like a they say in this movie uh, a, a a racist like cult and it's not the KKK but it is like, okay. it is basic it's, it is basically the KKK yeah, and some they show up they show up and they and they burn it down with everybody in it and mm-hmm. and there's like very horrific like descriptions of of people's like eyelids on fire yeah. and their clothes melting Clawing to their body and yeah. they can't get out and um whenever the first trailer for it came out and you see those hands coming out you i was like holy was. fuck that's the black spot but and you know they changed that but still uh there's also while that's happening pennywise is in the manifestation of a giant bird and he's like swooping down and picking yeah. up people out of the you know the the like craziness and it, right. it's 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 fucking insane it's and i originally up. it really is in a, in a I, I was originally hoping that the sequel was going to open with the whole Adrian Mellon thing, which mm-hmm. uh, is is another like pretty horrifying scene in the book that takes place in the present day of the book. Yeah, it's like it's like the first thing. Another hate crime. It's another. It is another hate crime, but it's the f- kind of first thing that makes Mike think like, "Oh fuck, it's back." Yeah, and I was like, I was like, that would be an amazing way to start the movie. But then when I heard they were going to do like the black spot, I'm like, "Oh, I'd rather it be the black spot." Yeah, <laughs> right. It's yeah. even heavier, so. Yeah. Well, I'm nervous to see that play out. I guess, and and a little eager. So yeah. Well, to when you have these Mike like, so when you have these marquee moments in the book that you've probably been picturing in your head forever, what would this look like on screen? It's like anticipation. So you're nervous. You wanted to do it justice, and also the subject matter is so gruesome and gory. You're just as a human being nervous to see it. Hmm. Um. All right, cool. So I think we're done. Are we good? <laughs> we're just done? Is there something we haven't really talked about yet? Oh, I don't know. Is there? Um, oh, yeah. Pennywise. Pennywise. Dancing Clown. Hiya, Georgie. Dude, Bill Skarsgård is cute. So I have a <laughs> hard time being afraid of Pennywise on screen. But from what I was reading, like, the this trick that he does with his eyes, like, moving different directions, like, he just does that on his own. Like, that's not even computer generated which is crazy, crazy. that's true um it is it is true he has like a condition yeah. and i don't think it's it's some points in the movie it's very like all one eye is all the way and that's, that's obviously probably, probably right. cgi but but the we thing where, like when he's talking to georgie and one eye looks like it's looking at georgie and the other eye looks like it's looking at the camera yeah. like that's him he can do that his eyes oh, will, yeah. will do that mm-hmm. let's um I think we've talked about the aesthetic yeah, of Pennywise absolutely. a good amount. Like we all agree, it looks he looks good. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. th- I don't know the the lines on his eyes do kind of invoke like the crow a little bit, but Sting f- or Sting, mm-hmm. uh, the icon, got it, uh, got it. <laughs> but 
for the most part, I, he's creepy as fuck. He's Compared kept, to the Fukunaga sketches, like some of that early concept art, which is out there, I like which looks kind of ICP to me. Yeah, I really like. It looks like the, this looks better. Oh, I, the I don't know if I, I don't know if I've seen that. You better so. get out there. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll try to find it and send it over to you now, Jake. But one, the one looks like the uh, the clown from Slipknot. Um, yeah. But anyways, oh. it looks like yeah. There's like a backwards. What do we think though? How do K-R. how do we want to talk about this? How who do you want to compare Pennywise? How do all right? Before we compare it to Tim Curry, and before we compare it to the book, how does Pennywise play in this movie just on his own? Jacob Walsh. Uh, wait, we're not comparing it to the book or anything. Well, you like, honestly do whatever you want. This is your just, show. Yeah, I was gonna say let Jake do, do his thing, girl. <laughs> do however you want. Yeah, compared comparing to Tim Curry to the miniseries. Like so, the, compared wise. to scariness, I think he's way scarier. I think Tim Curry looks great, and he is creepy, especially you know, like in the in the drain. Like he he is he's creepy there. Um, but I think one of the best, I think one of the best things about this Pennywise compared to Tim Curry's Pennywise is that when you look at when you look at Tim Curry's Pennywise, that's Tim Curry. It's obviously right. Tim Curry. Like it's you can't you can look at it and be like, yeah, it's Pennywise, but there's no way that's not Tim Curry. Right. Um, this this Pennywise, he they they do they do so well. He has applications on him. He's got like a fake chin. He's got or I don't know if he has a fake chin, but he has fake cheeks on. He's got the teeth. He's got all the makeup. The top of his head is uh, an appliance, and. Uh, yeah, that's why the Scar- costume is so hard to nail because that fucking Skarsgård can make. Big. Yeah, and Skarsgård can you know make that face that isn't his normal face. And when I look at this Pennywise, it doesn't look like a person underneath. I can't. There is never a scene in this movie where I can look at Pennywise and and recognize Bill Skarsgård. Right. It doesn't look. It he he's completely different looking. But I Even like, like that. It's like my little secret. No, I'm that's like, what I know. that's what I'm saying. That's that's the best thing about it is because Penny, you shouldn't be able to recognize Pennywise. (laughs) Right. He's not, he's, he's a creature trying to look like a clown. He's, he's a, he's a monster that is trying to recreate. It it, it should look weird and it shouldn't look like, it shouldn't look like an actor. You shouldn't be able to look at him and be like, Oh, that's Tim Curry. That's, I think that's the best thing. And And I do think his voice is so like unearthly and like not human. It's so good. No, I like this Pennywise. <laughs> he he's silly. He he's like I mean he's creepy. He's silly. He's still clownish, and he's scary. And I, I like the way he looks. Hmm. And I, I think they did a pretty good job all around with Pennywise. Abby, besides your attraction to the clown, the clown prince. No, that's not the clown <laughs> prince. Uh, what, I don't have an attraction to clowns. I don't have like a pre-existing fear of clowns either. Right. Real quick, Jake, I did just send you that uh, that image uh, okay, on cool. Facebook. Gonna, but yeah, what would you think of Pennywise and the way – what do you think about the interactions with the, the kids? Well, I definitely was judging it based on that opening scene like where he appears in the drain and like I, I was – That scene is perfect. Yeah, and the first time I saw it, it washed over me so fast because I had just – I was literally wiping my eyes and my glasses because I had just shed tears over Georgie and Bill's hug. So when I saw that the first time – it when it kind like I said it washed over me too fast that I was like I felt like it wasn't frightening or violent or scary because I was so emotionally moved. But the second time I saw it, I was like that was extremely frightening. It was very scary and 
seeing him talk to Georgie, which I watched in that like little four minute whatever clip that came out um, before the movie. And his voice is it's like cracking and weird. And he's also like very entertaining and charming and charismatic. And like he is. Yeah, that's exactly how it should be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And like you want to go down there with him. You understand why Georgie looks at him and you're like, oh, my God, he's kind of funny and cute looking. And like it's it's like you, you hear people say like. Who would ever go with that clown? He's scary looking, and he is scary looking, but he's also funny. Yeah. Like he, he does, and, and even childlike. not just in that scene. Quizzical. Yeah, he's childlike. He's, yeah, all that it, shit. It, it, yeah, there's there's a couple times where he's being kind of silly, and you're like, wait, I, I, I would, I think I would hang out with this yes. guy. Like if until I those teeth come out, pop, 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 pop. I would pop, 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 pop. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about like the way he giggles when he's with George, when he's talking to Georgie, yeah. and he's like. When he says, you know, the the storm blew the whole circus away, he giggles in such a Ooh. weird, like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It is, like, it's kind unsettling. of magnetic. Yeah, it's un- yes. yeah you're right. It's unsettling, mm-hmm. but it's like, you you want to hear him keep giggling. Yeah. You want to hear him talk Dude, more. and those are some big clown shoes to fill. Like, to do yeah. that after, because that's what I would consider the scariest scene from the miniseries is right there. Because when Tim Curry is saying, like, you'll float too, and, like, we all float, and all, like, that. That's scary. That's the scariest part of the miniseries. So I think that that was a lot to tackle. And that being the opening, I think that it was so well done. It The bar was set high early on with that movie, and I felt like it delivered the rest of the time. But yeah, I felt like Pennywise and their interpretation of him. Um, I, like I already said, I missed like the form that he took with Richie a little bit. I thought that it was a little bit of a cop-out to have Richie just be afraid of clowns. But every time Skarsgård was on screen... And all the interactions with Pennywise that I saw were like, I mean, it was it was terrifying. The stuff that he does with his body is incredible. The stuff that he does with his face is incredible. And I want to hang out with him, like, a lot. So I really loved Pennywise in this movie. So. Um, I want to talk about Pennywise's lair mm-hmm. uh, in a second. Okay. Um, I do like, so when Richie's in, in, when they're in the house for the first time, and Richie finds the missing poster of himself, that's the first time Richie is, like, kind of faced with, uh, Pennywise, like in any kind of manner, because anything, yeah. In the scene before that, mm-hmm. uh, which um, Abby pointed out, and it, it kind of does feel as like kind of an homage to Jaws, where it's like the Fourth of July parade going down the street, yeah. Um, and Richie's in the background, like fucking with that guy's tuba. It's mm-hmm. so funny, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, he was left out when they go in to clean off Beverly's like sink in yeah. the bathroom. But so. he looks at him. He's like, and they're all talking about the visions they've had, and they're like, "Well, I saw a leper, and I saw a clown, and." And he goes, yeah. I, do only virgins see this shit? Right. It's like, and it's it's so funny. Right. Um, but when he faces Pennywise for the first time, he finds the the uh, the missing persons uh, flyer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, you know, he goes into that room and the coffin and all the clowns. And you see, like, uh, the Tim Curry Pennywise clown. Mm-hmm. Like, and they don't even, it's like, that's a, you know what that is, guys? That's a fun nod. Respect. It's a fun nod. That's a yeah. fun nod. And then Pennywise says, Boo-dee, And guess what? Boo-dee. It doesn't take you out of it. Another fun nod. It's a fun nod. Um, so <laughs> that entire scene, and then like he opens it up and there's the doll and the maggots and the whole thing. And that's when Pennywise jumps up and does the superhero landing. <laughs> it's that's just, when Thor shows up. That's, and that's when Thor shows up <laughs> to battle the Green Lanterns and Justice League. It's so um, good. No, but anyways, that whole like that whole thing is scary and it feels like you're kind of in this like haunted fun house. I was about to say that Pennywise could show up in the uh, DCU as uh, Thor because he can't take the shape. Of <laughs> because he can't Sunday. take the shape. So, hey, 
Jake, tell that guy at your theater it could happen. <laughs> it could happen. Keep I'll, your eyes I'll, open. Well, hope he's, hopefully um, he's listening. But yeah, I just I guess I brought that up because I Richie was probably my favorite character mm-hmm. in the movie, and to see him go from this little smart ass to like faced with actual fear, and then when they get outside and him and Bill fight, and then when yeah. they, and then at the end he has what I feel like is my favorite line in the movie where where uh, well mm-hmm. Pennywise has know. Bill and Pennywise says. Uh, and I'm not even going to try to do the, do the impression until I see the movie a few more times. But he's going to uh, do it a lot. He's basically like, okay, here's your options. Oh, I could eat yeah. your friend, or I could take him I and then go to him. Yeah, go for my long <laughs> my long rest. Uh huh. Yeah. He needs that nap. Yeah. Um, he gets cranky. And then Richie does like the little fake out. He's like, you know what, Bill? I fucking told you this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to kill a fucking clown. This is your fault. And. Uh, and Whatever he, he says. Yeah. yeah. Then now I have to kill a fucking clown. Yeah, I have to kill a fucking clown. Yeah. So, and it's just good. That's probably my favorite part of the movie because mm-hmm. it's it's showing like yeah he's a been... begrudging hero, an antihero, like it. a cynical, smartass, trash mouth. I love it. I love him. I love it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the end though because uh, we we should probably wrap up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. They get down there. Uh, they get down through. How do we feel, Jake, about them making Beverly bait for the losers to come after her? Versus, like, all of them going together. Like, was that it's a little? It's a little weird. It, it, it's a little weird. I see why they did it because they they um, they add the whole thing where the losers get into the fight, which I don't think we needed that. I don't think um, I don't think Bill would ever punch anybody, let alone Richie, who's kind of his best friend. Yeah, yeah. that seems so Character. A little, that stuff is a little weird, but I work, do yeah. like that Bill says to, to Pennywise, um, you know, Bev, Beverly's not a, not scared of you, and that's why you couldn't kill her. You know, yeah, like I kind of like cool. that. But That scene where they all fight after the Neibold house, that's very much, that's classic, like, end of act two in a, in a mm-hmm. standard movie. Like, okay, everything's hitting rock bottom. Will the gang get back together yeah. to fight the... Yeah, kind of um, thing, right? I could totally see, like, a Warner Brothers executive, like, you gotta... You're gonna have to break up the team if you want people to buy into the getting back together. To up the stakes. Yep. Like, as if the shape-shifting, like, <laughs> alien macroverse, like, what... It, there's there's a lot going on. Right. There's a lot of motivation And also, are those already. deadlights... Are those LEDs? Because they're pretty bright. <laughs> okay. They're pretty bright. Um, so, yeah, they do make it down there. Um, I kind of like, I don't, you guys fill me in the like Mario brothers, uh, portal that they take down. Is that in like, is that how oh, the they, well? Yeah. That's in there in the book. There's like a, a the, the house, the Nebolt house is a portal. Isn't that correct? Don't they go through like an opening in there in the book, Jake? I know you read mm, it more recently. They, they just go down into the sewer. That's okay. it. Okay. There, there's stuff at the house and then mm-hmm. there's stuff in the sewer and it's, right. uh, it's a little different, um, okay. But it, it that kind of stuff doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Once they get down there, and you kind of see the the setup, the the Pennywise, the dancing clown, uh, kind of circus motif, and you've got all like the stuff, the children's stuff, like surrounding it. And you see all the kids floating. What did you guys think of that aesthetically? Uh, I mean, I kind of liked it. Um, I. The the kids floating was a little weird, mm-hmm. but I see why they I see why they make those kind of uh, like it's a it's cool not visual. As cool, it's not as cool visually to just have them fight Pennywise in a, yeah, in a sewer. Yeah. Like let's give them a kind of big um, backdrop. And he and he has 
he has a layer in in the in the book too, and it's like it's they go through a weird little door, you know, and there's like it's a tiny door with a symbol on it, and the symbol yes. looks different to everybody, and it's a it's a very weird part of the book, but I like that part. Um, I, I see why they make that kind of change, and it, and it doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when when the door drops down and he dances, yeah, and he's doing his dance, mm-hmm. like that's to me that's like that's what the, uh, going to a movie is all about. That's like butter on a popcorn. I yeah. Yeah. butter on one piece of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it because it's creepy, it's unsettling, it's funny, it's a clown. Like you're yeah. looking at a yeah. fucking you're, dancing a clown. clown. Yeah. He's literally called Pennywise the Dancing Clown. That it's is time what, to see that him, is time to see him dance. Yeah, yeah, with the flames behind him and all that shit. Like yeah, that, was that shit didn't bother me at all. Yeah. It was weird. It was weird, and and he jumps to Beverly, and I really love that weird like when he when he picks Beverly up and he's yeah. he's got her by the neck, and he he does that weird scream at her that like yep. it's mm-hmm. like he screams and then he frowns and he's like mocking her like with a cry. Yeah. And I like that kind of stuff. And probably my, one, one of the, one of my favorite things about this movie happens at that point where he opens his face up and he shows Beverly the deadlights. Yes. And the orange they're glow. never, they're never mentioned. They never say what they are. You don't get any other explanation, but the, the three little, orbs of orange bright light are the deadlights and and you know we've talked before about how the book gets really like meta it gets oh the turtle really yeah it gets really out there it turns into like a very lovecraftian Mm -hmm. thing whenever they're battling pennywise and they're gonna get more into that stuff in the sequel because a lot of it has to do with like his origin and what he really is but that's kind of the only glimpse you get of that Mm -hmm. but i loved it I, Mm -hmm. i loved it and I'm not even worried that the fact they don't explain any of it. Like, I, I wonder how many I wonder how many people are watching that movie and be like, oh, yeah, it was great. But what is up with the orange lights? You know, what's yeah. going on there? They don't explain. Yeah, they don't explain it. They don't fucking care to. Like, you know what? It, those answers are out there for people who want to seek them out. Yeah. Guess what? Or the uh, Lego turtle, <laughs> yeah. which is or another Lego like turtle. fun nod. So, By the yeah. way, the box office, you know, what? the money that this movie is making is proving that, like, you don't have to you don't have to like dumb down your movies for audiences to accept it. No, nah, cause there was some fucking fan service. This whole thing was like, I felt like I was getting service throughout the whole movie. Like it went, it flew by like all two hours and 15 minutes of it. I watched it twice without having one moment of like a distracted thought. So. And then if you think about, we talked great. about the dark tower a couple of weeks ago. Like if you think about how badly that was executed versus this mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating because you know you probably there was so there was an article in Hollywood Reporter the other day. I refused to read it, but the headline was basically like, "How did what surely was a troubled production succeed while Dark Tower, a surefire hit with Idris uh. Elba and Matthew McConaughey?" Like, who the fuck cares about Idris Elba and Matthew uh. McConaughey? Like, are yeah. people like sitting around going, "I can't wait for that next Matthew McConaughey movie. I'm just gonna go put my money down, no matter what it looks like." But that, but that, that bleeds exactly into what I was mentioning earlier about these kids being so good. Is that it proves so much of Hollywood, and so many people have this weird uh, thought Antiquated, or belief. Yeah, they have this weird belief in their head that if you do not have famous actors in your movie people don't, it's not a good movie or people don't want to see it. And like, 
it, it's, it's just proving the same thing. Dark Tower did horrible, and it had two pretty big actors in it. The Mummy did horrible, and it's got fucking Tom Cruise, who's the biggest actor in the world, in it. But this movie has full. It's full of no. It just. It's just more proof that yeah. like, hey, as long as your movie's good, and it's as like long the, as it's well written and your actors are good, it doesn't have to have. It'll find its audience. Right. It's like people yeah, catch on to things like that too stars. quickly nowadays, or something. Like everybody's a critic because we all have podcasts and YouTube channels, and we're all writing blogs and reviews of things. Like I feel like we're yeah, but we're doing it well. Yeah, but I don't know. I just because well, there were days like the '90s and stuff. I think there were like mo- like actors could just carry movies. You want to get the next be, Tom Cruise flick or whatever. Yeah, I, I wrote a thing on Facebook. I, I felt inspired the other day, and uh, yeah, people seem to react that. to it. Uh, you can't put Tom Cruise on a poster and expect people to go. Now, The Mummy fucking sucked. We talk about it. It did really well internationally, but that's because international audiences still have kind of a hunger for like American culture and Tom Cruise somehow in 2017 still represents like that. But dark tower is a perfect example of taking beloved source material and mutilating it and turning it into an hour and a half of bullshit. um, Disrespecting. And nobody cared. Nobody saw it. The reviews were bad. And the, the box office proves that, like, unfortunately, Dark Tower probably is not going to continue in any form for a, a long time. Um, you know, the TV show, the movies, all that's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. if you take something like It or anything that it's a beloved property, whether it's It or Ghostbusters Cemetery. or Jurassic Park or Star next. Wars, if you're faithful to the spirit of what made it good in the first place and you don't approach it like a gimmick and you approach it like... Like, you're actually creating a piece of art. And you have a love for it as a foundation, like People Andy will... Lucietti and his sister definitely did. They've talked about how they read the book, and you can you feel that. And, like, you need to have that connection. You can't the just producers, be The casual... producers, uh, Katzenberg and the other producer, they're both in their 30s. They're all about making that money. But guess what? When they were 12 years old, they were obsessed with Stephen King. Andy Milanakis slash Mishinetti, whatever his name is, the director of It, love him, love him like a brother. Grew up in Argentina, reading it at 12 years old, and he got to grow up and come to America. And you know what he did? He made a faithful adaptation of it, and he said, "Fuck Tom Cruise." Yep, <laughs> that's my fan <laughs> fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tom Cruise gets cast as a uh, uh, Ben. Oh, oh, oh Ben! Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. All right, I know he we don't played Keen, and that's it. So like... we're gonna be talking about it a lot. Uh, NECA announced a full line of It action figures. Uh-huh. God damn. God <laughs> fuck. Um, that is a dream come true. It's a dream Dude, I want to get that better. I want, see if she's intact. I want, I want people to go back and listen to whatever episode it is where I was like, please, NECA, put out a yeah. Pennywise figure. Um, yeah. So Because yeah. I think I single-handedly got that to happen. Yes. Jake, you are uh, the breaker of chains. Yeah, just yeah. the you know the unsullied. Whatever. Yeah, Jake, you are the unsullied. <laughs> Abby's the breaker of trains. Uh huh. And me, you're the mother of dragons. I'm a dragon. I am a dragon. That's what he is. Uh, okay, so it it's out. It's going to be out for the next two months probably. It's making hashtag all the money. Yeah, it's making DVD all in December. Blu-ray in December. Blu-ray. December. We'll get that. There's already steel a steel. Book. There's a steel book already oh, like, for pre-order. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, they've already announced the sequel is going to be in 2019. It's going to be filming next year. Chapter two. Chapter two. Um, I was a little bit bummed. You know that when the movie ends, it says it chapter one. I was hoping it would say it answer the call. 
But that's not, that's <laughs> I was just hoping for some fun animated credits where like Pennywise would pop out a little sewer grates and there'd be fun music <laughs> and, uh, and maybe a stinger scene. Well, I told you about my, my ninja. The Fukunaguas, I haven't read it all, but the Fukunaga script has like a weird ending to where they they basically show you that. Pennywise isn't dead, and, and I know Zool? after the, I know if you sit through all the credits of this one, you hear Pennywise's laugh. But just hearing yeah. his laugh at the end of credits is way different than what they were going yeah. to do. That yeah. I'm glad it's just another example of like, I know Marvel they started doing the post credit scenes and it's like their thing, but you don't need it. Like you can just finish your movie and that yeah, can be the you end. You don't all have to be Marvel. Like, you know, yeah, because we you know just, they're popular, but do your own thing. That's what be it, your own weird loser. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honestly surprised the end of this even said chapter two, because I know one of the reasons they didn't want to allude to that is because in the movie business, like you, you, you never know if you're going to get that sequel. Yep. Like yeah. you know, see Dark Tower. They thought they were going to get six movies or whatever, and they're probably never going to get anything. Nope. Mm-hmm. And they they always wanted to make a sequel, but they knew like, hey, we should make this one stand on its own just in mm-hmm. case. Right. So yeah. I was a little surprised. I was. It does. I was a little surprised that it even said chapter two at the end or chapter one, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we're going to get it. So so we know that chapter two is the Losers coming. Club will be back in 2018. What if it's when <laughs> Baby Groot shows up? Yeah. Um, we got to do it. Everybody's talking about it. Jake, I know you're really... So Jake has been taking a stand that you do not want known actors playing the adult Losers Club. I agree. I think we're pr- more than likely this is what it's going to be. It's easier to find unknown kids than it is to find unknown adults. And the reason is, if they were talented, they would already be discovered. Okay. Okay, so, I see your line of reasoning. I feel like there's going to be some smaller actors, unknowns, but let's face it, there's going to be a couple. For, like, it doesn't mean Tom Cruise and Chris Pratt are going to be in the movie. Um, but they're going to pull because we know like what Netflix Andy Muschietti said about Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, he said fuck Tom Cruise. Yeah. Right. But oh, oh yeah, that's great. That's why I like him. Right. But uh, I hope if Andy if Andy uh, Muschietti listens to this podcast, he might sue us for. Uh, he might mispronouncing his last name. Andy I'm pretty sure it's Mushietti. There you right? go, Mushietti. Mushi yes. chicken. And also, I hope he listens because I like him. Yeah, let's do it. Hang out. But let's face the facts. There's going to be some known actors, so people are doing fan casting. Do we have any thoughts of actors that we like? They don't have to be super famous, but just why don't you tell us what most people are saying, and we tell you you if we like that. Okay, so that, that's a good idea. I like that, that better. Perfect. First off. Beverly. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mom is saying Jessica Chastain. Okay. Jessica Chastain's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Zero Dark Thirty. Perfect. Mama, also directed by Andy Muschietti. Mm, Muschietti. Whatever. Still saying it. <laughs> I can't um, pronounce words. It's my problem that uh, I have. Andy Muschietti. There you go. It's better. Um, Andy Samberg. No. No, so different. Jessica Chastain has like tweeted about this movie. She seems like a very logical choice. Uh, the a- yeah, so- it's obvious. I say yes. I haven't seen either of those movies. I intend to see Mama for obvious reasons. Now, I think she looks great. I think she looks like uh, Sophia Lillis. Like Sophia Lillis looks like a young Jessica Chastain. And if she has a relationship with the director, then I say yes and yes because if she's a muse and if she was part of like his casting process. For the uh, first movie, then yeah, like just right. go for it. It sounds like it works. The other name being thrown around is Amy Adams. I think it's like 
Okay, no. she has After read... seeing the Superman, like, Man of Steel movies, I'm like, no, no. and fuck no. Here's, here, here's something that a good friend of mine brought up, and I absolutely 100% agree with it. Um, hair dye exists. Yes. We don't have to only... We don't have to only fan cast people who naturally have red right. hair because um, Amy Adams is horrible for this role. Right. It'd be yes. awful. Uh, I, I would be okay with Chastain. Like, uh, I think it's probably a good bet that she's probably already cast. Yeah, like, that's it, why I'm it's, like, it's why been, even? Everybody has kind of hinted at it. She Hashtag has. Why like you even? just said. She's got, yeah, she's got a, a relationship with the director and his sister. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably all but a, a done deal that she's in this movie. Um, Speaking of hair, I did learn today Sophia Lillis, her long hair in this movie, extensions. Yeah, obviously. There you go. Yeah. I could have told yeah. you that. Well, I didn't know all Also, that. Kristen Wiig's hair, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, a wig. Well, it's yeah, her last Kristen name. Wiig. For Kristen no Wiig. reason. Kristen's wig is her actual legal okay, name. Okay, so yeah, that. So they had to. That's why. It's a good choice. <laughs> um, okay. Everybody's saying Chris Pratt for Ben. No. But it's, nah. it's fuck. stupid. Fuck. Fuck no. Sorry. Fuck. That guy can't ride a high. That yet. makes me. That, that I makes like me him. Angry. Yeah, it makes me angry too. He doesn't have to be in everything. He's not right. He's not right for, for it in any kind of way. And so, I love him. Like, I want to hang out with him more than anybody, but I don't want to see him as Ben because Ben is a soft hearted poet who's sensitive and, yeah, and he's a thinker. It's not Chris Pratt. It's not Chris Pratt. What do you guys think about Jerry O'Connell for obvious no. reasons? No, no. We liked it for though. obvious reasons. Just because he also went through a a, a body face, like change, and he was also that doesn't King mean King that doesn't mean movie. he's a good actor. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually can't think of anything the thing, that he was. Was he in a movie called Tomcats? He's in Scream Two. Okay, uh, and I think he's married to Rebecca Romaine Stamos O'Connell. Is that her full name? So. Here's the thing about Jerry O'Connell. I think he's. I think he'd be okay. Ben turned out to be really special in this movie, and mm-hmm. like that kid has heart. And like, I don't know, man. You got how are you gonna get an actor to match like the performance? Like, I kind of wish the kid who played Ben. Would what just about grow the guy, the sheriff from uh, Stranger Things? I don't know that guy's David name. David Harbour. But I'm trying to think of somebody who has more of a good-natured, like a really good. I mean, magnetic smile. Well, that likability factor. Actually, those pictures of Hellboy came out today. Like, I. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. That guy's a good actor. Just go with somebody that, yeah, that All has right, that. Let's move on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, hold on, my list died. I can't think of a Bill. Like I, uh, Bill. So- the only names I came up with, and this is not. If we're t- talking named actors, I'm just this. One, I'll name the actors. You guys give me yays or nays for Bill. You ready? Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. No. Nah. Ryan Gosling. No. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They're I, all nose. Based on Toby McGuire, wait, I Jake Gyllenhaal's a good actor. He would he wouldn't be awful. Right. Yeah, I, I do. I, I like Jake. I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but it's I, I I just have this weird thing where like every actor I've seen, uh, I will say almost every actor, just seems weird and wrong for the part. Okay, and it's it's weird to even think of all these big major right. actors in it. It just doesn't. None of them seem right. Mm-hmm. There's only one that I think I would be okay. Besides, like not about? minding Chastain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm talking about. I'm Bill. talking about Hater. Yeah, Bill Hater. It's Richie. I think Tozier. Bill. I think Bill Hader would be a good Richie Tozier. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Just like that. That to me makes sense. But like all he's these a man other of a people, thousand voices already. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just all these other actors. All these big actors. I, I don't know who. Like obviously. 
like you just said, Greg, like, yeah, it would be great if they could be unknowns, but they're not going to all be unknowns. There might be some lesser knowns, but I can't put, I can't put an actor to, to a name for any of these. They just all seem weird to me. Right. Well, having said that, let's keep going. Uh, Stan Uris, Jesse Eisenberg. (laughs) That's Abby's quote. I just, it's a, you just want to see him kill himself. Visual. That, exactly. I hate Jesse Eisenberg, yeah. but I'd like to see him slit his own. Yeah, wrist, and he's got so. that, he's got the look, the same Here's look. Here's the one, so, the movie Eddie Kasprak, Abby wrote down Zach Woods. Uh, that show Love oh. on Netflix. Oh, oh that guy? No. Wait, no, oh, no, 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 Everybody stop. Game from the office. Stop. Stop it. Eddie Kasprak, Zach Woods is Gabe from The Office, who was in the beginning of Answer the Call. Uh, oh, Gabe. But Abby wrote down Paul Russ, the guy from Love, for Stan Uris. Yeah, that was another one that I wrote yeah. down. I like that guy. Yeah. I, like I like that, that guy, guy from too. Love. Yeah. I would. I think he would be a good... I think he would be a good Eddie, maybe. Yeah, yeah you could do Eddie or Stan, actually. He, I think yeah, he could probably he's funny. do... Um, I'll give you my personal favorite one, and uh, I read this the other day as a suggestion, and... It's actually not that out of the realm of possibility, I think. Uh, hmm. Mike Hanlon, uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. I yeah. like that because he. I like that. Isn't he like That's a big cool. horror fan? Didn't I he like direct that guy. a. He is a huge, he's a huge get out. fan. Yeah. yeah he's so a good he's actor. He's all set up for it. Um, so, he's also a he's huge funny. Ghostbusters fan. Yeah. Now, Abby wrote yeah. down. So that was our dream cast. Abby also wrote down something called our dream crap. Dream do, crap. Do you want to just. Okay. Go over it's just bad this. casting. No, you do All it. Right, this is what Abby's vo- voting Captain. for worst possible casting. Ready? Richie, Dane Cook. Yeah. <laughs> Not, it's no good. <laughs> Fuck these. All right. Bill, Jai Courtney. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ben, CGI Jai Courtney. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why are worse. you reading this? You go. Stan, Jim Parsons. Sheldon Cooper. Big Bang Theory. Now I want to read it. Mike, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Eddie. A very Medea. <laughs> a very Medea Pennywise. Chapter two. Eddie. <laughs> Edward Furlong. And do you want to read Bev? Oh, Bev would be split into four characters, played by Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and Kristen Wiig. <laughs> <laughs> Ba-doom-sh. Now, I Dream do, crap. I have an idea for, uh, for uh, Bowers. Okay. Okay. David Spade as Joe Dirt. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. For that. He's like he's got that mullet. Dang! <laughs> <laughs> Pennywise comes up. He's like, want a balloon? He's like, dang! Get some mouthwash, man. That's a terrible. <laughs> by the way, that, can we talk about how bad my Joe Dirt impression is? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I'm still laughing. You've never seen Joe Dirt? I couldn't. It's just not my thing, y'all. Okay. I'm not. Oh, I'm just. Man. I think I, I tried. like the idea of. Actors. I've only seen the scene where the dog. It's like frozen to the porch. Yeah. I couldn't. That's frozen to the porch? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you like how I just said the dog? I like Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt's a I like that part. (laughs) Uh, But apparently, that's a space peanut. (laughs) That's a space peanut. Why am I laughing? That's just funny. Maybe I like it. Uh, you like it, you've it. never seen it. That's why they named you Joe Dirt. That's why they named you Joe Dirt. Uh, All right. So, guys, we're over two hours. That was fun. Let's call it a next night. episode. Next episode's Joe Dirt episode. Yes, yes. we're gonna just talk about Joe. Um, Dirt. We've got some fun stuff coming yeah. up. We've got Halloween. We're gonna be Fan watching fic. horror movies. Uh, we're not gonna go any further though. No. Uh, listen, once you see it, I know there's a lot of people who still haven't seen it. 
Go to Facebook.com slash Yes Have Some Cast. Go to Yes Have Some Group Therapy, our Facebook group. Join the group. Let us know what you thought. Let's get some discussion going. Mm-hmm. Let's have a little fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Yeah, I just want to say, like, if you go see it and you like it and you like how weird and funny and just, like, fucked up it is, read the book. Yeah, dude. Because the movie is good, but the book just expands on everything the movie already is. So mm. just read it. Yeah. yeah. And congr- go read right, a read book. It. I completely agree. Completely agree as well books reading yeah. craig I'll, I'll i'll let you borrow my my recent copy of it where i just kind of went through and highlighted and marked off all the like crazy Dude. shit just read that stuff. it looks like Man. an old bible like um, the way you got it yes. dog ears i'm just gonna be watching Post-its. reruns of bozo i'll be good that's true <laughs> Dude, bozo buckets just is as fun. good um no it's a great movie i'm really hey congratulations to the producers the writers the director, the actors, uh, you made an awesome movie. It's extremely successful. That's not always easy to do. People have short attention Fans spans. love it. Critics love it. People who seem to not care about it because they were talking the majority of the beginning seem to love it by the end of the movie that I was watching it with. So yeah, it's that really speaks good. volumes. Um, it's fun to look forward to a movie and to be hyped about it and to have a payoff. Um, and I can't wait to see it again. Uh, it's like redemption, doesn't it? Dude, when we were at Dragon Con, I heard Jake talking to, I don't remember who it was, but you were talking about Ghostbusters Answer the Call, and you were like, well, dude, all you gotta do is, like, have you thought about maybe getting into a different movie? And, like, you sounded like you were, like, a religious, like, convert for, like, it, and it made me really happy. Like, do you want to meet my friend Stephen King? Like, let me give you a book. Like, it makes me happy, though, because that's what you did for me, and I read the book because you told me about it, and... It, Speaking of that, I could say it changed my life because reading Stephen King has really improved my life and put it in a different positive direction over the last year. So thank you, Jake. Thank you, Stephen King. And thank also, you to read Stephen thank King. you to the Jehovah's Witnesses who knocked on our door Saturday morning. Oh, no, no, no. Fuck that. Okay, this is what they Get said to me. Lawn. They knocked on the door, and I answered, and the lady goes, I have a question for you. <laughs> and I was like, go on. No, she's... And then she goes, do you believe in angels? Okay. And I said... Yes, I do, but I have no interest in this conversation right now. <laughs> um, oh, I said yes. I believe I they like, belong do you have in the like outfield. A list you could put us on yeah. to not come back. All right. So it's all good. It's it good. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And guys, th- I'm going to leave with a thought that has nothing to do with it, but the thought is inspired by watching it. Uh, we would talk. We always talk about Ghostbusters a lot. It's a constant topic on this show. The future of Ghostbusters. The future of the franchise. I want to leave you guys with this thought. After seeing the success of Stranger Things, after seeing the success of It that took place in 1989, and I was very upset that the marquee had Batman 89 and Lethal Weapon 2 and not Ghostbusters 2, which would have been out at that time. There was a Gremlins poster. I mean, come on. There was a Gremlins poster. There was a Beetlejuice poster. Come on. I don't know how they can do it. I don't know what it would be, but when they make a new Ghostbusters live-action movie... I think it needs to take place in the 1980s. I think yeah. it needs to take place right after Ghostbusters 2 in that early 90s pocket. I just feel like it's a product of its time, and maybe it just belongs in that time period. People are ready for it. That's, also, that's hot, my man. advice would be, mm-hmm. when you do make a Ghostbusters movie, make it better. Oh, do yeah, better. that too. <laughs> Script. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Jokes. Nail them. Think about them. Write them. No, in all seriousness, uh, I absolutely loved it. I think it's really cool that... 
uh, it came well, good. It came up roses. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. It's fun. It's making money. And like Jake said, we got the Blu-ray coming out in December. We got toys coming out. We're gonna be talking oh, about this movie God. a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got prints. Gallery eighty eight had some stuff. There's like I thought you were talking about the singer. Oh, Prince. Oh no, Prince is not putting anything Way new out. They really missed an opportunity to have like Purple Rain play when they pulled Bev down from the floating. Yes. Oh god. Absolutely. All right. So we'll we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, yes, have some podcasts. You can check us out online. Yes, have some cast.com and facebook.com slash yes, have some cast Twitter and Instagram at YHS podcast party clown. Thank you so much for checking out our PK search 2017 video. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. We've got some more conventions we're going to be going to. We're going to be talking about all sorts of movies. And please do not forget to go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. You'll float, too. And then you'll float. Okay. And then we'll kiss you to stop you from floating. Oh, your hair is winter fire. January embers. My heart burns there, too. That's a haiku. It's a haiku. Oh, holy shit. I just thought of a fan edit. I'm going to see that scene where she reads it, and then I'm mm-hmm. going to cut to Wade going, Garth, that was a haiku. That was a haiku. Ooh, <laughs> you better do it quick. I'm going to do it quick. Because we're putting this out. All right. Jake, any final words? Uh, no. All right. Jake is like, <laughs> I love Jake. Did he spit? You know, we've been, we've been talking for three hours God about it. Hey, guess it. what? We're Our in... conversation about it has been two hours, 14 minutes, and Just that's how long, long it is. Just as long as the movie. It's a <laughs> that's con- true. It's a Dude, every, that is so It's perfect. a cycle every two hours and 14 minutes. Fuck. It is cool that the movie came out Fuck. 27 years after the last movie. Like it is. It was, very, it was a very happy accident. Yeah. Dang, do we got to wait 27 more years for that sequel? Who made that joke? <laughs> Andrew Schaefer, I'm ripping you off. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm giving you credit now. Credit. See, I thought about inviting Andrew on the show for the round table, but I don't think he liked the movie very much. I don't want him to like, you know, Yeah, I don't think that. he liked the book very much either, which, you know, you got to respect. You got to respect. Uh, Andrew. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll call him out and we'll, we'll ask him about it. Secretly yeah. judge him. Right now he's in his <laughs> car going, how dare they? How dare they? <laughs> or wherever he listens to us. If he listens. He listens. He's listening. I hope he listens. All right. We love For you. Abigail Gardner and Jacob Walsh, my name is Craig Goldberg saying if you ever find yourself caught in the deadlights, just wait longer. What? I don't know. No, it's it's good. Stay there. It's a good place. Stay in the deadlights. Jake, real quick, did you ever get a chance to look at that uh, picture I sent you? I did, and I've seen that before, and I wonder... If that's real, is that a real thing? Because I always thought that that was just fan art. Hey. But if it's real, if it's real, I hate it. It's from the internet. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I want to know if that torture haunted house thing is real. We're going to talk about that next week. Thank you for joining us. Have some podcast episode seventy. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Don't flow too.